0: The opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not
1: necessarily reflect the views of the Topeka Capital Journal, CJ Online, or Morris Communications.
2: Good morning, Topeka. This hour is brought to you in part by Brickhouse Antiques. I'll tell you, this is going to be a great weekend to go out to Brickhouse Antiques. They have got their annual uh, Christmas celebration this weekend, free food. Free drinks. Uh, You can win a $50 gift certificate at Brickhouse Antiques, 37th and Burlingame. And they've got all kinds of vintage Christmas decoration items, the whole nine yards. And you can find it right off of I 470 at 37th and Burlingame, Brickhouse Antiques. Good morning, Dave Menealy. Good morning, Jim. Good to have you with us. First time you've been up here. It is. This is. Uh, your inaugural and might be your first and last visit. Yeah, that's what I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this could be it. <laughs> Maybe it's my last interview. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a lot to talk about today, but first I've got a little housekeeping to take care of. You remember Ralph Clark, one of her regular colors on 1440 and back in my 580 days as well. Ralph from Vermillion. Yes. Anybody that's a regular listener to the show I'm sure remembers Ralph. Well, he passed away about a week ago. And I talked to his wife, Diana, another regular caller, to the show. And they are going to have a memorial for Ralph Clark, folks, for those of you that are interested. And please spread the word because I there's not a week that goes by to where somebody doesn't ask me whatever happened to Ralph and Diana Clark. So at any rate, there's going to be a memorial. It's going to be a week from tomorrow. It's going to be at 1.30 in the afternoon at the Methodist Church in Vermillion, Kansas, So, for those of you listening today, if you know other uh, long-time listeners of this show, everybody remembers Ralph and Diana. So, if you would spread the word, I plan on going myself, and that's going to be a week from tomorrow, and that's going to be a memorial for Ralph Clark. Hey, coming up on the show Monday, I do want to give Monday's show a plug. We're going to have a guest from Manhattan that's going to be joining us, and he's the director of the Manhattan Regional Airport. And This has been one of my favorite rants for several years, why don't we have commercial air service out of Topeka? Manhattan now it has three daily nonstop stop flights to Dallas. Starting November the 18th, they are going to have two daily nonstop stop flights to Chicago. And Topeka, we're sitting here with absolutely nothing. So, we're going to find out what Manhattan is doing right and maybe we'll learn what we're doing that's wrong and possibly someday again we'll have commercial air service flying in and out of Topeka. So that's coming up uh, Monday at 9 o'clock, following Tim Richer. Coming up today at 9, uh, for the first time in memory, maybe, I'm actually going to pay President Obama a compliment. You know, he's, he created, a few months ago, this commission to take a look at federal spending, government spending. Well, uh, a lot of the information that's going to be officially released the 1st of December, it's kind of been leaked to the press early, you know, just to run it up the flagpole to see who's saluting it. And the great thing about uh, this commission, I mean, everybody from the left and the right is jumping all over this thing, saying how bad it is. Which means you've got special interest groups that don't like it. I think it's a fantastic program. On a scale of one to ten, I'm going to give this a solid nine. Dave, have you heard much about this on the news? I heard. As far as
3: I heard some.
2: Uh, Based on what you've heard, anything that you really like, anything that really rankles you?
3: Because I know you can be rankled easy. Well, they say (laughs) I can be. I I don't know. Uh, You know, I I probably don't know enough to talk about it intelligently, but... uh, Well, I don't either, but that's not going to stop me. Yeah, (laughs) anytime you get a bunch of of old politicians and new politicians or whatever these people are that were on that committee um, to come up with suggestions like this, it's like any committee. Most committees are are formed to make things look good and then they're going to do what they want to anyway. So I, I don't when it comes to government, I don't have much faith in anything they do, quite honestly, and, or that they'll do anything they say they'll do.
2: Well, I hope you know the Tea Party uh, revolution is going to start turning this country around and I think we truly have elected some good people this time. Good freshmen coming in. And if we hold their feet to the fire, maybe we can turn this around. We've got a 13 trillion dollar deficit now in this country. You know, we can't survive for very much longer with the $13 trillion deficit. Somebody at some point in time is going to have to control government spending. Well one of the things uh, they're proposing that's going to come out, all of this is coming out officially around, uh, oh, the first week of December. We're going to be hearing a lot about this over the next couple of weeks, though. And again, Nancy Pelosi said no way will she support anything in this uh, document, which means it's good. But on the right side, you've got uh, the defense spenders. They're going to oppose this thing because it deals with cutting defense spending, which God knows we need to. You know, you can take our defense budget and total up country number two through 20. Their total defense spending for the next 19 countries doesn't equal what we spend on defense. So we've got to cut back on defense spending.
3: Yeah, it's pro- my only argument to that would probably be I don't disagree with that. Probably not while we're in a war.
2: Should we be in? Should we have gone to Iraq?
3: Well, I think. I mean, we we're should've. still there
2: with fifty thousand.
3: Yeah, I think of. we should have, and I, I think, I think that whole area we're so volatile, we probably should have been there a long time ago. Not necessarily in a war, but we probably should have been and had a presence over there a long time ago, and, and for whatever reason we didn't. But we've we've all but lost the Middle East, and. Quite honestly, that's that's the hotbed for the whole world. I mean, if you got Iran with probably got nuclear weapons at this point, just don't have a delivery system. Uh, if you got Pakistan with nuclear weapons. You got India with nuclear weapons. You, the whole place is a, and you got a bunch of nutcases running around that'd be glad to use one.
2: <laughs> well, you're right, but what can we do to stop that? I you take a look at the Soviet Union, and if you're under 30, folks, you might not remember the Soviet Union. Well. The Soviet Union was brought to its knees by Afghanistan. It was the war in Afghanistan that broke the Soviet Union. And Afghanistan's, unfortunately, is about to break us. I don't know. You know, it's easy to sit back and be a Monday morning quarterback. But if we would have turned, you know, Bin Laden, finding Bin Laden over to our CIA, we could have spent a million dollars rather than a trillion dollars and Bin Laden might be history today. You know, that could have been a job for our intelligence, if we have any intelligence in the country, Uh, to give it to the CIA, we could have saved a hell of a lot of money, and we could have saved 4,000 American lives. So, I don't know.
3: Yeah, it's, you know, the problem we, as I see it now, we try to fight wars nice. Wars are not nice. I mean, soldiers kill people and break things, and that's what they do. And when you try to get politicians in there trying to make it all look nice, Mm-hmm. make war, you know, that nobody's getting hurt. It's, uh, I think it's, it hurts the military. If they just leave the military alone, they would probably been over a long time ago.
2: But how many wars have we fought over the past hundred years that we needed to fight? I can think of one.
3: Probably World War II, and that's about it.
2: That's it. Yeah. I mean, World War II needed to be fought. I mean, our country truly was at risk. If we hadn't have fought back in World War II, we'd be speaking Japanese or German, one yeah, of the two today. No but outside of that... Did we need to go to Korea? Nah. And we've got 40,000 troops scheduled on the Korean, South Korean border. Why? If North Korea ever decides they are going to invade South Korea, it's going to take about 15 minutes to eliminate our 40,000 troops because North Korea has a million soldiers
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> ready to march. Yeah. Bring them home. Yeah. That's another way we can save money. Why do we have 40,000 troops in Japan?
3: Well, I think probably what has to happen is the American people and and their and their representatives, and I say that in that order because really the American people need to make the decision of whether or not we want to be the policeman for the whole world anymore.
2: Yeah, and do we? I don't.
3: You know, I I don't.
2: And I've been accused of being you know a far leftist with my anti-patriotic rhetoric because I want to bring our troops home. Yeah. I want to have our troops within shooting distance of Tijuana, right now to help save 30,000 Mexicans that have died in a drug war. I don't much care, you know, about what goes on on the other side of the world. We've got problems right here.
3: Yeah, I, I tell you uh, my analogy for that deal on Mexico. I, I wonder if we'd have been so tolerant if all of a sudden, uh, during the Cold War, a bunch of Russians would start coming across our border. Mm-hmm. What would we have done?
4: Mm-hmm. We'd have shot them. Mm-hmm.
3: We'd have got rid of them. They'd invaded our... What's happened is Mexico's invaded our country, mm-hmm. an illegal invasion. Why it hasn't declared war on, on Mexico, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that, that may sound radical, but that's exactly what's happened. And it's, it's killing our economy. Uh, it, they can say all they want to. Well, it takes too long to go through the process. It's our process. We can take as long as we want to.
2: Bingo. You know. And it's so easy to legalize this process, and I've said it for so many times on the year, that if we need the immigrant workforce, easy. We just need to ask two questions of a Mexican wanting to come to the United States. A, show us your criminal record. Show us you don't have a criminal record, that you're going to be an upstanding law abiding citizen. A, B, pass a physical. Show us that you're not bringing some dread disease into this country if you can pass A and pass B come on in and go to work we'd love to have you here that simple why don't we do that I I, I don't understand why we've allowed this illegal process to go on for so long because ninety percent of these people that are coming into this country are going to be good productive citizens uh... it's the ten percent that trash element we want to keep out of the country the drug runners and you know ones that are here you know to have that anchor baby and what have you just Send them back home. But 90% let them come in. Why don't we come up with a simple simple process where we can let the good ones come in well, and keep the bad ones in
3: we Matamoros? Can't, we or can't even convince them not to be communists. So why is it all of a sudden we're inviting communists into our country and then wonder why our legislative process is so left? Yeah. I mean, what do they expect? What What is it the American people expect? You know, it irritates me. People don't go out and vote. Um, we're lucky if we can get 50% of the vote, um, people to get out and vote. And, and yet, they don't like the agenda that Barack Obama's got. I don't either. They don't like all the stuff that was passed by this last letter Congress. I don't either. But it's okay to let as many communists as want to come in here, just sneak on across the border, it doesn't make sense to me. Dave Manili
2: is my guest. Uh, Let's take a trip back in time. Let's identify who Dave Manili is for our new listeners. We've got listeners hopefully everywhere. Hopefully we've got more than two or three people listening, and a lot of them possibly are outside of Shawnee County. The Internet goes worldwide. Let's talk about Dave Manili's career.
3: Dave Manili started as as a police officer in Topeka, Kansas. I've lived here my whole life, first of all. Uh, I started as a police officer in 1972. I was a reserve officer prior to that, but as a regular officer in 1972, was at the police department for 22 years. Went to, ran for sheriff in 1988 and lost to the incumbent, Sheriff Ritchie. Um, then he retired in 1992. I ran again, and then, as most people know, uh, in 2000 was ousted by a two-judge panel um uh, alleging legend that I perjured myself on the stand, and that's pretty. That's kind of the thumbnail of Dave Manili.
2: And since 2000,
3: I have a, a private investigation business. Uh, for a while, I worked uh, at a uh, secure uh, at a prisoner transport company, helping out a friend uh, run that. Uh, but I'm retired. I'm tired and retired, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, this thing, uh, this, this ouster in 2000 has followed me for the last 10 years. It's It gets a little old. Um, in fact, I was in court this last week, and of course the defense attorneys always have to bring up, always ask me the same questions. Well, was you the same sheriff that got ousted? Was you the same sheriff that this? Was you, was you accused of this? Did the Supreme Court uphold this? And after 10 years, it gets a little old. Uh, I'm kind of tired of it, so, you know, what I do in the future... I don't know, but um, I get a little tired of of the rhetoric about that whole situation. What most people don't realize is that was a civil action <coughs> taken against me, which takes absolutely no evidence to speak of to oust somebody from office. If if the judges are for that, who started the ouster
2: proceeding? How how did all this start? Because you know, I had forgotten, frankly, that you ran in '88. Yeah, I ran in an 88. And Ed Ritchie, which is now a good friend of yours, good friend of mine. Always and, was a good friend of mine. He, yeah. he
3: got a little upset with me when I ran against him, but we, Ed and I have always been friends. We worked together at the police yeah. department. I worked for him in narcotics. Uh, by the
2: way, folks, uh, just for clarification, I uh, consider myself a good friend of Ed Ritchie and I consider myself a good friend of Dave Manili. So, uh, uh, but I did, I'd forgotten that you ran in
3: 88 now. In 92, did you have a primary in 92? Yes, against Earl Heineman.
2: Earl Heineman. Okay. And Earl's now in Johnson County.
3: I don't, I, I don't worry when after he left the sh- jail, but... Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah I know. haven't seen Earl. It's been a couple of years he was back in town and ran into Earl, and he's in Johnson County, I believe. His wife's practicing law over there, I think, and Earl's in the home remodeling business, I believe. I don't know. Well, I think that's what he's doing. Yeah, he, I think
3: he used to do some of that kind of work, so that doesn't surprise me. But, yeah. uh, you know, my life's been an adventure. I, uh, so I in 92, when you were elected,
4: mm-hmm.
2: obviously you hacked somebody off because eight years later, there's an ouster proceeding. Well, you know, we all know inside politics, inside baseball, there's always a story behind the story. Yeah.
3: The, in 1990, this whole that ouster started really in 1994 just a year after a little over a year after I took office um, and I'm it, it, it was the the attorney general's the one that started it at that time was Carlos uh-huh. Uh The next thing I knew Joanne Hamilton was in the middle of it and, and everybody else and and then, then it died for lack of of any evidence that I had done what they said I did which was to perjure myself. And then after the election in 1996, um, it started in again. And, and at that point, it was really an all-out war between me and the judges of Shawnee County and the KBI and the Attorney General and the District Attorney. and. Um, well, who was leading
2: the charge on this house tour? Who really wanted to get Carl, you out? It Carl was Carlos Stovall, Carl Stovall yeah. Attorney General
3: Stovall. Yeah, and that... Part of that was there was twofold reason. One reason because
2: we've got Joanne Hamilton, Democrat, Carla Stovall, Republican.
3: Yeah, uh, there was um. two things, two reasons for that. One of them was um, I had supported Went Winters to, for the attorney general's job, and Carla beat him.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: That was one of the reasons. The other reason was uh, I said some not so kind things about Carla to someone that got back to her. And uh, that really started the ball rolling. And at that point, it was just vindictive, a vindictive vendetta against me. Uh, and then, of course, I got sideways with the judges.
2: Um, now, how had you get sideways with the judges? Well, what
3: I went up and testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, one of the things that I, I've always argued was that our bonding system here in Shawnee County is illegal. In fact, I think you can go back and find an attorney general's opinion when Bob Steffen was in that that it is. However, it's been allowed to go on by the Supreme Court of the State of Kansas in the manner that it is. Now, how's the bonding system illegal? What's well, it's really complicated.
2: But its bottom line is make this the, simple because I'm not a very complicated person. <laughs> the <laughs> Bottom Look line is I've got a ninth what, grade education.
3: <laughs> well, the what what the bottom line is, bondsman used to. By the Constitution, by our state constitution, Uh everybody has a right to a bond. Uh So bondsmen, they had bondsmen that always bonded people out if they were allowed to bond. In 1986, I believe it was, Shawnee County judges, and not, as far as I know, no other judges in the state of Kansas do what they do, but uh, they took over the bonding system, basically, and just started... Uh, OR and people, and those funds, those bonding funds, go into a, as I understand it, a fund that helps finance the judge's retirement plan.
2: And so there, here you got... You what do you a, mean the bonds? Because if I'm in jail, I'm going to a bondsman, right? Yeah. That's, a private, that's private.
3: Not necessarily. Now, uh, if the judges don't allow it for a professional bondsman. They, what they'll do is they'll say, "Well, you can have a signature bond, so that, that you don't have to have a bondsman for that." Uh, we'll let you. We'll let you out on a uh, OR bond. What's an OR bond? Own recognizance. In other words, if you okay. promise to show up. Okay, King's X, you can go. Okay. Um, and nobody's. So what happens is, in the system, they don't show up. Then you start getting warrants for people, uh-huh. which impacted the sheriff's department. Okay, let's go back to
2: how judges make money. How this money ends up in the judges' fund. So you're saying on a signature bond, then basically uh, the district court is ultimately liable for the ten thousand dollar recognizance bond, signature
3: bond, or whatever. Well, they're the ones that decide when that bond. Um, how do they make money? When they violate, it? when they violate, I'm not saying they make money. What happens is that there's a there's a fee that goes along with bonding. Okay. Um, and it's been so long now that I don't remember all the details on how this, this whole thing
2: goes. But you're saying basically our district courts are in competition with our bonding
3: companies? Oh, absolutely. In fact, they've put most bondsmen out of, company, out of business. Now, we've got 14 bonds bonding agencies, I think, in Topeka. Um, it used to be a, a pretty good business i I'm not sure anybody's making a lot of money now I, I i had friends that were bondsmen, and back in the day they could make a good living um, But when this came about, the bonding uh, organization for the state of Kansas went to this went up to and ever since ninety what's really interesting about this since nineteen eighty six they've been going the judges have been going lobbying the legislature to make what they do legal and so the way I got sideways with them was. In 1990, I can't remember, 98 maybe, 97, <clears throat> they went before the Senate Judiciary Committee to mm-hmm. try to get a law passed that made what they were doing with the bonding system legal. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, they've been doing since since 1986. <clears throat> so I went up to testify against them to the Senate Judiciary Committee, and I my question to them was if what they're doing is legal and they've been doing it since 1986 why are we here trying to pass a bill to make it legal okay same well, reason that that upset Because in essence what I what I did was call him a liar <clears throat> so anyway i do not believe that justice is blind i i really don't have much respect for our judiciary um, here in Shawnee County.
2: So it was about this time after you testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee then things really started going south for you?
3: Yeah. At that point it was the judges, it was the Dave
2: Benealy is my guest, uh, former sheriff of Shawnee County, folks, if you just tuned in.
3: Yeah, at that point it was the, the Attorney General, the KBI, the judges, Joanne Hamilton and her staff at the District Attorney's Office. And there was really only one place for me to go at that point um, to try to get some relief or some justice uh, and I went to the governor at that time it was Bill Graves and, um, and said you know the only way this is going to get settled really honestly is maybe you can appoint a, pri- uh, a uh, special prosecutor and mm-hmm. if, you, if they got the evidence let's go to court and get it over with. That never occurred. In the meantime uh, the ouster proceeding went on. Um, they they ousted me uh, February 22nd of 2000 and then Joanne Hamilton filed criminal charges against me at some point for perjury and some other things thrown in. I don't even remember what they were. Anyway, we went to court and the jury hung. Um, so there was never a criminal conviction for anything that I had done. It was just merely a civil action that ousted yeah. me from
2: office. Now, on the ouster, you know, again, <coughs> my recollection is hazy because I never understood why you were ousted. I'm going to explain it in layman's terms how I remember it and correct me as I go.
4: Sure.
2: Basically, you had a deputy uh, that was a narc, undercover uh, narcotics agent, got hooked on cocaine, got hooked on meth, whatever the drug was. And he had been in and out of drug rehab on a couple of occasions.
3: He went once, as far as I know.
2: Okay. Uh, He was in drug rehab one time, and you were asked about this on the stand, and you said, I was unaware that uh, he was hooked on drugs because he was under the direction of one of your under sheriffs well, actually directing him. So I, ne- no, I he- never could connect the dots on why you were ousted because of an undercover narc well, being on coke. And there was drugs missing, you know, with the sheriff's department. Somebody was in the locker room apparently and, you know, stealing drugs.
3: That but that's not that's not the way it happened.
2: Okay. Now <laughs> correct me because again I'm just hazy as can be he was- as far as I knew, hey, the perjury basically was Hamilton saying, well, he's lying about the fact that he didn't know yeah. all there was to know about uh, this particular former sheriff's deputy that was hooked on drugs. Right. Okay, that's
3: kind of where I'm at on all of this. It had nothing to do with drugs. Okay. He was an undercover narcotic officer. All right. I got a phone call one night that he had uh, put himself in Valley Hope for alcohol abuse. Mm-hmm. Of course, everybody knew I, 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 I'm a recovering alcoholic. I had gone to Valley Hope. So I had, I had empathy for the kid, and, and I supported him in, in putting himself in there. I had no way, I did not know that he was also abusing drugs. I did not know at that time that he had taken some drugs out of, of, an, out of an evidence locker. I didn't know that. And that's what I said. Bottom line, this is what he told me. He told the court the same thing. Said Sheriff Manili didn't know anything about the drugs. He didn't know that I'd stolen. He didn't know I was taking them. I told him that I went to Valley Hope for alcohol. Well, they didn't want to believe that, and so Joanne tried to prosecute. Was going to prosecute him, and then said, "But if you'll testify against Sheriff Manili, uh, we'll drop everything on you." And so he said, OK. And when he got on the stand, he said, Sheriff Manaley didn't know anything about this. Quite honestly, what happened is the judges just turned a deaf ear to that. They didn't believe him. They chose not to believe him. They chose not to believe me. They chose to believe the people who was bringing this, this whole thing up. And consequently, I went through a civil louser, which I suppose if I was interested enough, and I'm not, um, it should—I I really believe in situations like that—that that I should have had to go through a criminal trial first before they took me to a civil trial to oust me from office. Because, like I said, the, the, you don't have to have much evidence in a civil trial to find somebody guilty of anything. All—all all you gotta do is have somebody. Two people say one thing and one person say another, and King's X, that's enough evidence mm-hmm. in a civil process. So anyway, that's what happened, and uh, the rest is history. Uh, in hindsight, um, I don't think I'd have done anything different. I, I i worked the job. I did the job the best I could. Uh, a lot of people believed that I was just sticking up for my deputy that wasn't the case. I had fired other deputies since I had been in office. Uh, In fact, I put one in prison, so I didn't have any favorites, Um, and most of the officers down there could tell you that. Uh, A lot of them thought I had favorites, but uh, I was probably as heavy-handed as anybody when it came to discipline. (laughs) So if I'd have known what he'd done, I'd I'd have taken that to the district attorney, and they could have filed charges on him, and and away we'd have gone.
2: As an elected official, you know, you accused of these two charges. Who paid your attorney defense costs? I did. There was no protection given to you as as an elected official. All of this came out of your pocket.
3: uh, All the criminal charges, I had to pay for all the court cases that I went to, I had to pay for. The only thing the county paid for was when I um, fought to get my to keep my job. Mm-hmm. They had to they had to supply an attorney for that. Um, that and that didn't work. What did
2: your total attorney bill run through all this? Because good Lord. You know, you were front page, top of the fold news for many, many months.
3: Well, let's just put it this way. I won't give you a figure, but I'll put it this way. When I'm 71 years old, it'll all be paid for. Yeah. I was 54 when it happened. Well, okay. I've I sp- I, I paid for my house twice, or I'm in the process. Yeah. My home was paid for. Um, I, I had to take a, a full equity loan out on it and, and then some other money as well.
2: So... Dave, let's get in. As a result, I want to talk about law enforcement. I want to talk about this case, just what we need to change. How does the system need to change? And let's talk about some of these, because again, looking at this from the outside, looking in, when you were found not guilty, it just doesn't seem fair that you would have had to have paid all of this money to defend yourself and ultimately to be found not guilty, say on the perjury charge. Something's wrong somewhere. With the system let's talk about that but first i want to give a plug to the golden corral folks 16th and watermaker seven days a week lunch and dinner it doesn't get any better your votes in the best of topeka contest put it right up there at the top again and this is their holiday food fair month uh, folks if you're into turkey if you're into all of the traditional thanksgiving day uh fixings ham the whole nine yards that also is going to be found on their buffet line uh, up through the christmas holidays so they're still going to have the regular fare but uh, this is a special added feature, and again, for around $10, all-you-can-eat Golden Corral. It just doesn't get any better than that. Sheriff Dave Meneally is my guest. Uh, jim.kates at cjonline.com, if you've got a question or a comment. Again, that's jim.kates at cjonline.com. In view of everything you've been through, Dave Meneally, where do we need to go? You know, if you were s- sitting on the Senate Judiciary Committee now you're the chairperson based on what you've been through what changes do we need to make in the system? Well you know because a lot went wrong for you you know during this eight-year period now how how could we fine-tune this to ensure that this isn't going to happen to somebody else that ultimately is found
3: innocent. You can't. Uh, If if a person of power over another person Decides they want you Let's put it. Just put it that way. If they decide they want a piece of you There ain't a thing you can do when when a government official Decides they want X Y or Z to happen to somebody they have unlimited resources at their disposal and And the common man doesn't have a have a prayer fighting for for herself If I probably had it over again I I probably wouldn't have fought him. I'd have just walked away from the job. But I did I I hadn't done anything wrong, and I'm a stubborn Irishman, and so I decided to fight him. Uh, not without um, talking to my family and explaining to them what the sacrifices were going to be. Um, and and they went along with me on it. Um, but but I do not believe any. And not just because it happened to me. I just, in no other instance does a person have a civil action against them until after a criminal case has, been, has taken place. It was a famous one, O.J. They mm-hmm. tried O.J., he got off, and what'd they do? Took him to civil court. Mm-hmm. Because they only needed preponderance of evidence. They didn't need much evidence to find him guilty in a civil case. It's different in the criminal case. You've got you to have evidence that says what you're alleging is true. Well, so, so I don't think any elected official, elected by the community as a whole, should be allowed to be ousted from office without criminal charges first being filed against them and them going through the criminal process.
2: But Dave, we get into frivolous lawsuits, you know, on the civil level of the whole nine yards. In fact, health insurance, I've railed about this for years, that one of the reasons health insurance is so high, it's because of frivolous malpractice suits. We eliminate that. Health insurance costs are coming down. The same thing applies, you know, as far as product liability. Wouldn't the same thing apply in your situation? Into a frivolous lawsuit, if one's found to be frivolous, which this perjury trial may have been, Then, as far as relief, attorney defense cost relief, do we need to change the system to build in some protection?
3: I I don't think you can, Jim. I really don't. I I, uh, I don't know, and I certainly spent too much time, probably the first year after I got ousted, trying to figure out really what happened. Um, I really didn't. And, and it's not something I can talk about and I, I choose, because I choose not to. But I found out something uh, a year after I'd been out of office um, that, had I known at the time, probably would have slowed this, that whole process down. I wasn't planning on running for re-election anyway. Carla knew that. She just wanted a piece of me, and, and so she went after me. There was a person who shall remain uh, unnamed that was involved in that whole investigation of me on the other side, not on my side, who made the statement after it was all over, after the final criminal case was over and everything. Uh, We knew Dave didn't do anything wrong, but we had our marching order. Hmm. They didn't say that to me because had they said that to me, they'd have probably been in the penitentiary because <laughs> I'd have broke his nose or something. But uh, the person who said it is still around and doing well, and I'm I'm happy for him. I've tried to put this whole thing behind me and and forgive people for what they did and didn't do. Um, it's sometimes it's difficult. There's, there's times that I think well it's past me I, it's it's, and then I go to court like I did the other day here in Topeka and it comes up again and uh, all those old feelings surface again I try not to give them much thought those people um, because they win when I do that so just one of those things that happens in life And you know I had a good career I enjoyed my job um, I think I I gave the community the best I had, let's put it that way, and whether it was good enough or not. Um...
2: Well, I know you care for Shawnee County, obviously. Have you ever thought, given thought to running for public office again? God, uh, God no. I mean, there's just no scenario in which you would.
3: I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'm going to tell you something. Once you've seen...
2: Do you think the public would be, again, uh, obviously, if you're my age, and if you've lived here for 30 years, you remember this incident, but... You know, if there would have been a poll taken back in 1999 on Dave Manili, do you think the results would have been that bad? Because I look at, you know, I remember this being talked about in the community, and on a scale of one to ten, I guess I just didn't view it as that big of a deal. Obviously, you were living it. It was a hell of a big deal for you. but. You know, to the average person, well, you know, Dave, possibly, and again, you mentioned it earlier, I guess my impression was that you were trying to protect a deputy that got hooked on drugs. I think that was probably the overall community's perception. Now, is that a bad thing that you were trying to protect an employee? And you said, you know, that wasn't the case. But I think that probably was the overall image of the community of Dave McNeiling. Yeah,
3: And and that's okay. Uh, and that's not a bad thing. No, I.
2: Uh,
3: but I. It, it gets it,
2: into sheriff's duties, whether that was proper or not.
3: It wouldn't have been proper.
2: And on a scale true. of one to ten, but I mean, it would have been a four to a five on most people's scales. It wasn't that big of a deal. So, I, first of all. So when you say your reputation's tarnished, I'm not sure it's that tarnished. Well, in whether those it is eyes. or isn't,
3: let me put it this way. <laughs> and, and you've been in politics, Lord, longer than I have, probably. Uh, once you see the underbelly of politics it's pretty ugly and I really don't want any part of it uh, I I just um, I, I wasn't politics was never an issue for me. Uh, I had to get involved in politics to run for sheriff uh, I, I never aspired to be anything other than a police officer. Uh, I enjoyed being a sheriff. Uh, and would have continued doing that at least for one more, for eleven more months when my term was up, uh, or my second term. So I, I, it was thirty years. I gave twenty-nine, thirty years to the community and, as a police officer, and uh, I, I really don't have any regrets. I, you know, a lot of people say, "Well, Dave, you was too outspoken." You, you know, you, and, you know people. It's funny how people say, "Well, we want, we want our politicians to." Tell us what they really think. Mm. Well, I certainly did that. Uh, I never held back anything. I always told exactly the way it was.
2: You know, the definition of a political gaffe. it's when a politician speaks his mind.
3: Yeah, well, that's uh, that's true. (laughs)
2: Yeah,
3: Yeah. which showed you that I was not a politician. I I always did speak my mind. And then I thought,
2: Yeah, you read the polls first, and then you speak. Yeah, Yeah. well,
3: I I wasn't very good at that,
2: (laughs) Unfortunately. Dave, taking a look at law enforcement in Shawnee County, looking back at your years as a police officer and a sheriff, Topeka has the perception of this being a high-crime community. I don't necessarily see that. But, again, I'm careful as to where I go, what I do, who I associate with. I've never had a problem. God knows I've been outspoken. There's a lot of people, I'm sure, that don't care for a lot of the statements I've made. But I'm not going to go into the hood after dark. You know, I've got sense enough not to do that. Is this a crime ridden community, in your opinion? Are we getting a bad rap?
3: I I don't think it is any more than anything else. You know, of course, as a police officer, when you're in the middle of the fray, you're so used to it that all this stuff that everybody gets so excited about. Personally,. And, and this will really ruffle some feathers, I'm sure, but I think what's happened with law enforcement, I don't like what's happened with law enforcement in that they've allowed um, the citizens to dictate how they do police work. It, I, I, the analysis I always give is, I wonder how the Goodyear workers would feel if I went out there and started telling them how to do their job, because I don't know anything about it. Well, the citizens of Topeka think they know because they watch TV, but they really don't know what it takes to do the job, to really go out and fight crime. And I think we spend far too much time on public relations and not enough time arresting criminals because that's what we do. We're kind of like uh, a soldier going to war. They, uh, they have a job that they do. This is what they do. Well, policemen are the same way. What are, what's our job? Our job is to stop crime when we can and to arrest those that we can't stop before they do it. It's about as simple as that. And I just think we've got way too much citizen involvement in, uh, in law enforcement. Hmm. You got I mean, you got people telling you how to run your department that don't know a thing about law enforcement. They don't know sickem.
2: Okay, an instance of where that's happening as far as the public... Telling law enforcement how to run, run the show. Well, The only thing I hear, you know, I hear a lot about the fact, well, you know, my car was burglarized, my home was burglarized, law enforcement comes out, they fill a report, that's the last we hear. Now, that gets into public relations. And I think at the very least, you know, that homeowner, the owner of that car, what have you, should receive a follow-up call from somebody at some point in
3: time. They'll, they'll, when I was a cop uh, in the old days, when we got a case, that's the first thing we did was call the victim. Mm-hmm. Let them know we was working on their case. Well, let them know that uh, whether it looked like a solvable case or not. Let I me mean, just be up front about it and say, we got nothing to go on. Uh, the case will remain open if something comes up in a later date. We'll, we'll open it up again and start working on it. But right now we don't have anything. We used to do that. Mm-hmm. Why they don't do that, if they don't do that now, I don't know, because it makes it doesn't make any sense not to. Uh, they just want to know that you're trying to help them with their problem. Mm-hmm. Because most people don't have any contact with police officers unless they're, something's wrong.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And it's only going to happen maybe once in their lifetime. So you take care of them. Explain to them what's going on. If you solve the case, call them, let them know, look, we've arrested somebody for it. A district Attorney be in touch with you uh, whenever the court date is and most people were happy with that Even if you told them you didn't have anything to go on they understood it, so <clears throat> I don't know I I think they've tried to ma- they've made law enforcement way too complicated I don't think it's as complicated as most people think it is you go out you arrest people and put them in jail That's what I used to tell my guys Go out and catch as many criminals as you can every day and put them in jail. That's what we do.
2: There's so many changes, Dave Meneeley. And again, you know, I'm getting into law enforcement now to tell law enforcement how to run their business. Because I go back to home burglaries, for example. And we've had uh, former chief of police, uh, mm. Ed, <coughs> Ed, help me out. My mind's a uh, like Ed Klepp was on the show <coughs> several years ago and made a statement. And it made so much sense because, folks, if you are convicted of an unarmed home burglary in Shawnee County in the state of Kansas, it takes at least three convictions before there's a possibility of that individual serving time. Now, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. There is no deterrent. There's a lot of things that I've been exposed to over the course of my life, and I'll tell you, what has stopped me on more than one occasion was not a sense of moral values, it was a sense of what if I'm caught? I don't want to suffer the consequences. So there is that fear of punishment component that civilizes human beings. We have to have that fear of punishment component. We don't have it for home burglaries. Why we don't have more home burglaries is beyond me, (laughs) because there's no fear of punishment there. We have plenty. Yeah. Don't we need to change some of these laws as far as getting back to that fear of punishment component?
3: Yeah, we do. And and the problem is, and and I'll tell you, I was on the first sentencing commission. Right, wrong, or different with what they did with it. Having haven't said that. It always came down to this. We can't afford to put everybody in jail. So which ones are we going to put in jail? Well, the most violent criminals. Uh, Burglary is a, this is what they said, not me, this is what they said. Burglary is a non-victim crime. Oh, Really? If you come home and all your stuff's gone, uh, I'm not sure there's a victimless (laughs) crime there.
2: Yeah, bingo.
3: But, But here's the deal. They made a decision back then that we can't afford to build enough prisons to put everybody in jail. So we're going to come up with this grid, and this is the way we're going to do it. I fought for, when I was there, and I have ever since I've been a policeman, Determinate sentencing. I don't care if you just get six months, but you're going to do that six months. To heck with good time. You're supposed to serve good time. If you don't, we're going to add more time on your sentence. Uh, they fought me on that when I was in the on the commission because they need that good time tool to manage the inmates. Otherwise, they don't have any reason to behave themselves while they're in jail. Mm-hmm. Fine. Leave them there. Lock them up. Don't give them privileges. Uh, Let them out for an hour a day and for exercise and put them back in. Yeah. But uh, problem, uh, it always comes down to money. It always comes down to well, money. Well, that
2: passed in 1992. I was in the legislature when the sentencing guidelines passed, and I was a no vote. And one of the reasons I was a no vote, going back to the home burglary situation, it made no sense to me right. why we're going to not discourage home burglaries. And I understand, you know, the philosophy behind it. Well, nobody's really getting hurt. There's no chance of a personal injury. And it's a victimless crime. Well, as you point out, that's not a victimless crime well, whatsoever. But something else getting into law enforcement that you mentioned, letting prisoners out to exercise, I have yet to understand why in every prison yard in the country we have sophisticated weightlifting equipment in that prison yard why not give these inmates when they've got their hour of freedom a book rather than a barbell why do we want our inmates to come out bigger tougher meaner stronger why not have them come out of prison smarter
3: because we're civilized we're civilized and we can't just lock people up like animals and leave them there because well
2: Give them library privileges. Let them take uh, Juco courses. Why let them go out to prison yard and just build up their body? Yeah, I, when they come out, they're going to be. Yeah,
3: I don't. I don't. I, I've never I don't, understood that. I don't either. I mean, Why do we do it? Why do we allow it? I think it's the same reason that people are screaming now about Gitmo, and how bad we were treating prisoners of war. I mean, we we United States has always played by the rules. We've always. Human rights is always a big deal for us, and and our prison system is just a, a microcosm of, of our society. Yeah, I it's just it never made any sense to me. They do the crime, they do the time, lock them up. When they get done with their time, turn them loose. Well, you can't do that because they're going to have counseling. I'll counsel them, stay out of trouble. They know what you know. I just. These guys used to tickle me and say, "Well, uh, I, I'm not doing anything wrong. Well, then why'd you run when I drove up?" <laughs> they know when they're doing it wrong. They know the crimes they're committing is wrong. Uh, so they don't need counseling on uh, on entering back into society. They know what the laws are. Just obey them. Uh, that, that's pretty cheap counseling.
2: How do we as citizens in this community get involved in reduction of crime? What do we need to be doing that we're not doing?
3: Well, take care of your own. I, I mean, if everybody did what they needed to do to take care of their own property and their own selves, police probably wouldn't have to be called out as much as they do. But um, you're always going to have crime. You just are. It's 3% of the population going to do 100% of the crime. That's just the way it is.
2: Going back to something else that Clump said, uh, former police chief Ed Clump, when he was on the show, he said, you know, if we could eliminate, and that's where I was going, I got way off track, but if we could eliminate 25 criminals in Topeka, 25, mm-hmm. we could eliminate more than 50 to 60 percent of our sure. home burglars. Absolutely. 25 people in a town of 125,000. Yeah. Most people are good people. I mean, uh, the vast, vast majority, you say 97%, at least, are good law-abiding citizens, yeah. if not higher. Yeah. How do we eliminate these 25? Why can't we focus like a laser on these 25? It's a revolving door. These 25 professionals in our community, they're wrecking, wreaking havoc on our community. Well, what are we doing wrong?
3: Well, you're letting, first of all, you're letting legislators get in the way, and you're letting money get in the way. It always comes, the same thing comes down every time you want to try to do something to enhance people going to jail. And the legislators always, we don't have the money for it, really. Maybe you ought to cut out some of the other spending and take and take care of your citizenry because, really, the health, welfare, and safety of your public, that's really all the politicians are there for. They ought to get out of the business of all this other nonsense and start taking care of that, the health, welfare, and safety of the people if they do that we'd be fine they'd have plenty of money and they don't need to make these fancy jails and they don't need to make them quite so comfortable you know sheriff arpaio's got a pretty good idea well people say we can't do that here because it gets cold and the snows. well maybe they won't want to come to my jail if they're going to sleep out in the cold
2: <laughs> how come nobody's followed uh, has gone down his path
3: because he's got ninety-seven percent of the vote in his county ain't no other politician can get that. <laughs>
2: but you know if other sheriffs and other communities would follow his example mm-hmm. they would have a ninety-seven percent approval rating as well. How come we're not seeing more sheriffs do exactly what he's doing? They don't as want far as making it uncomfortable for inmates. They don't want to rock the boat. Why not? They if they want keep- one re-election that's an easy path to re-election well, yeah. is Cracking down on the criminal element. Some of
3: them make a career of it, and spending money is not a good way to get (laughs) reelected.
2: Dave Benelli is my guest. Dave, coming back to the judges' situation, because you had a couple of judges that were out to nail you, Uh, as you said earlier, you know, back in the late 90s, we have 53 judicial districts in this state, half of which elect the judges, the other half appoint. We're into an appointive. Uh, district here in Shawnee County. Retention, yeah. Yeah, um, appointive and retention. Yeah. That uh, our judges here, folks, they're on the ballot every four years. If they're a district judge, we can vote to retain them. We can vote to uh, bump them out of office if Trendless. we want.
3: Yeah. What do you support? Election or retention? Election. And we, some of the best best judges hmm. this county's ever had were back when we did elect them. We used to elect our judges. Uh, the argument
2: that the only people that would contribute to a judicial candidate is going to be a lawyer.
3: No, is it's nonsense. They always say that. Well, there's money involved in it. Well, listen, first of all, we got to keep politics out of the judges. Really. I think it's a politician that gives them their job. So don't tell me it's not political. It is political. That's how they no. get their job. And then they're beholden to that person. And the reason they got that job is because you know why? Because they have the same ideology, ideology as the person that appointed them. So, if a leftist politician puts a leftist judge in, I mean, he's not going to put a probably not put a conservative in if he's a. Mm -hmm. That's not his bend. He's going to put. We got the same problem at the Supreme Court. Of course, the Supreme Court's another thing. Supreme Court ought to be. Not be a lifetime appointment i don 't think i well, don 't know federal think.
2: judges a lifetime appointment yeah, yeah. that 's
3: just nonsense, yeah, nobody should make a career of that I, I think it 's really it 's just like term limits for for politicians. I think they ought to happen people say, well you can 't do that. what well, we did for presidents,
2: yeah, it can be done through a constitutional amendment that 's the only way you can do it yeah. um, because our Supreme Court and I was uh, the state chairman for our national term limits movement back in the 90s when term limits was really rocking and rolling. And in the mid-90s, the Supreme Court basically struck it down and said, on the federal level, you know, term limits unconstitutional. And even though I was the state chairman for Kansas, I agreed with the Supreme Court because it gets into the power of initiative, the states that have that power, the states that don't. And every state that had the power of initiative, with the exception of one, passed term limits on their members of Congress. Now, states that didn't have the power of initiative, in other words, the voters had no say, right. zero, zero states passed term limits on their members of Congress. It right. didn't happen anywhere. So you were penalizing the states that didn't have initiative in favor of those that uh, or just the opposite that did. So the point being, I think the Supreme Court's decision was justifiable. Having said that, I'd love to see term limits on members of Congress, but it's going to take a constitutional amendment uh, effort, which gets into our state legislators individually, getting 34, 35 states to ratify yeah, a constitutional it, amendment, yeah, we saying had, we're going to limit possibly what's going to be my future
5: job.
3: Yeah, uh, Yeah. well, and that's the problem. Uh, it's become a career. Sure. Never was intended to be. Shouldn't have been. Uh, I just... I just think it's nonsense. We, you know, uh, there, there's no reason that we shouldn't do it, uh, but it'll never get done. There's too much money involved, uh, and it always comes down to that. that's what I hate about politics. It always comes down to money. You know, no common man could ever be elected. Uh, could ever be elected to even a statewide office. They don't have the money, and they're not going to be able to raise enough money to do it. And they might be the best person for the job.
2: But you have to have some control over money as well, Dave Manili, and I know there's been criticism not only of this administration in Topeka as far as our current chief, but this goes back to ever since I've been involved in politics. The image of Topeka is that we always have been and still are very heavy in administrative positions at the Topeka Police Department. Now, that's where our elected officials should come into play, shouldn't they? With some constraints on law enforcement saying, you know, we're paying for law enforcement in this community. We're members of the City Council. We're going to give you X number of dollars. But Dave Manili should then our City Council step in and say, we want this ratio of administrators versus feet on the ground. We want this ratio to change or we're going to penalize you next year. We're going to cut your budget. I guess where I'm going with this, how far should our City Council our elected officials go? And getting involved in the administration of law enforcement.
3: I don't think they should at all. But what they can do?
2: How do you, how do you, we turn this
3: they, because they, perception
2: around that we're administrative, we're on administ- uh, administrator overload in Topeka.
3: Well, first of all, uh, and I guess it's still the same way. Uh, the chief serves at the pleasure of the mayor. Now I don't know whether he serves at the pleasure of the council now or the mayor. I I'm confused about cities governmental body. I, I just, I don't get it. I like the old system better, but I'm old and that's why I liked it. So, but,
2: well,
6: the chief
3: well, of but, police
2: actually serves at the pleasure of our city uh, city manager.
3: Got it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Okay. So, so the only thing the council should be able to do, and they do, they have the power of the pen. They have the power of the money. And they just, all they have to do is say, we think you're too top heavy. I can tell you when I was at the police department. I don't know what it is now. I thought it was too top-heavy. When I left the police department, just in the detective division alone, there was a sergeant for every 1.2 detective. Well, that's nonsense. And I can tell you how it all started. One of my dearest friends, he's who's dead now, Dana Hummer. Back in the day when when I started, even the only way you get a person to raise was to give him a promotion because we didn't get raises back then. We didn't even get paid to go to court. And so Dana started making rank, more rank in the department to give people a raise. Well, it just kind of snowballed. And now, when the contracts that the city signs, they can just say, we're not going to pay for that many. And through attrition, they can whittle it down. Uh, they won't ever do it, but they should. I mean... I'd hate to guess how many people sit in an office at any of the departments in the state of Kansas of the the big four counties uh, and aren't out on the road where they ought to be uh, because they're administrators. They don't need that many administrators, I don't think.
2: But if you're not turning that power over to the elected officials, the ones that have control of the money, how's it going to get solved?
3: Well, they just, they just cut their budget and say, look, we're not going to pay for that many. Uh, that, we're not going to pay for five or six majors. We're not going to pay for ten captains. We're not going to pay for 20 lieutenants. We're not going to pay for uh, 40 sergeants. Hmm. We're not going to pay for that many. You don't need that many. Well, what do you need? Well, you need maybe a sergeant for every five people, seven people, whatever it is. Uh, and we're not going to pay for more than that.
2: I know the um,
3: and they can do that through yeah. contract negotiations
2: well police administrators here in Topeka, you know we were given a tip on this oh a couple of months ago. Uh, the number of administrators that have this twenty four seven car at their disposal and the point being most of these administrators never leave the law enforcement center, mm-hmm. but they've got a car furnished to them by the taxpayers and there's really no need for it that we could cut the police budget that was guesstimated close to eight to nine percent. Just by eliminating some of these cars that we're giving to people that really don't need them, that have no use for them.
3: They're lunch cars.
2: Yeah, they're lunch (laughs) cars. They got to go to
3: lunch, (laughs) Jim. Dave,
2: we are out of time, my friend. Okay. Appreciate you coming on.
3: You bet. I hope this is this is probably my last interview since you're not going to be around. I don't think I'll give anybody else anything. so <laughs> this, this is it for me. Dave,
2: uh, private detective business, you're doing that? You want to get a, uh, give out a phone number? Uh, Real quick, let's talk about what you do in your uh, private detective business and toss out a phone number.
3: Well, we do just about everything. We serve a lot of court papers. We uh, work a lot of divorces. We work uh, about any investigation you can. I, I suppose the one I'm most proud of is that uh, I worked uh, and got a kid out of jail, or out of prison, I should say. that didn't belong there. I found the right person, and and they put him in prison and let the other kid out. That was the one I was most proud of. Uh, but that, that's what we do. Uh,
2: Great. Now, the private detective agency is called what?
3: Silver Bullet Investigations.
2: Silver Bullet Investigations. Yes. All right. Phone Hello. number?
3: 230-1117. One, one,
2: one, okay. Gotcha. Dave, good to see you, my friend. You too. Okay, Tom Ruskin coming in. John Arnold's going to be joining us by phone. Top stories of the week. And when we come back, I'm going to be paying our president a compliment. Boy, well, you haven't heard that on the show before. Uh We'll be doing it. Stay tuned. More to come. I'm Jim.
7: CJonline.com has been upgraded, and it's an entirely new way for you to experience your community.
2: More than ever, CJonline.com
8: has what you need when you need it.
7: As your morning starts, CJonline.com is updated with overnight news, weather, and the morning buzz.
8: Throughout the day, they bring you developing stories, interaction, and commentary.
7: In the evening, they recap the day in news and sports and feature their local bloggers.
8: Experience local news and sports at
7: CJonline.com Your 24-7 Northeast Kansas News Connection.
9: Topeka Collegiate, Topeka's only independent school, treats every child as gifted. Each student is encouraged to excel in a caring, small-class learning environment guided by humanitarian principles. At Topeka Collegiate, children fall in love with learning. Enrollment is limited. Call 228-0490 or visit our website at TopekaCollegiate.org. Topeka Collegiate School, educating children for life.
1: Excuse me, why are you saving those old eyeglasses? You know the ones, stuck away in the desk drawer, haven't been worn in years. Yeah, those. You should donate them to your local Lions Club. Lions Clubs have been collecting used eyeglasses for years. They'll take your old eyeglasses and recycle them for someone in need of proper eyewear. Call your local Lions Club for information on where you can donate your old eyeglasses. Lions Clubs International. We serve.
10: Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer, too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to BreastCancer.org, a special place on the Internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. BreastCancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer.
6: We're back with Jim Cates at CJOnline.com, your source for live Internet news, opinion, interviews, and conversation in Topeka. Here's Jim
4: Okay, we're
2: back. <laughs> okay, Dave Medealy, he's a good one, folks. Um, Tom Erskine's on his way in, and uh John Arnold's going to be calling in in a few minutes. We're going to be talking about some of the top stories of the week, locally and nationally. But again, I want to plug a show that's coming up Monday. Tim Rencher, of course, is going to be on Monday. A lot to talk about with uh Tim, needless to say. Everything that's developing in the city of Topeka, one story I don't understand, TMTA or bus service, uh, there's a proposal that this basically the TMTA be done away with and it becomes an agency of the city. Bob Archer, one of our city council members, is kind of championing this cause or at least supporting it. And it, from the outside looking in, makes all the sense in the world that we could possibly reduce this uh, 4.2 uh, mill levy that we have now and take over the management or keep a closer eye on management of the TMTA. It makes a lot of sense but for whatever reason this thing just doesn't appear to have legs with most of our city council members we're going to be talking about that and this whole goofiness of downtown topeka i say goofiness you know taking a nice thoroughfare and a nice looking downtown community and turning it into a serpentine two-lane route the whole nine yards we're going to get an update on where all of this stands so that's coming up as well uh... good morning john Good to have you with us, my friend. Thank you. Good to be here. What do you think of, uh, well, I'll talk to you in a minute about Dave Menealy, but first I want to um, mention the passing of Ralph Clark. We did this at 8 o'clock, and I certainly want to do it again. Uh, Ralph Clark, one of the regular colors when I was on uh, 580 Radio and 1440 as well. It was Ralph from Vermilion. Many of you remember him, and uh, there isn't a week that goes by where I'm not asked about some of our regular colors on the show. At any rate, Ralph passed away, um, and there is going to be a memorial for Ralph a week from tomorrow, November the 20th at 1:30, at the Methodist Church in vermilion So, folks, for those of you that were longtime listeners to the show, you might contact some of your friends and, because uh, Diana Ralph's uh, wife called the house yesterday, so I promised to give that a plug. So, hopefully that uh, we can spread the word and maybe get some of. Uh, Ralph's friends and, uh, former listeners out to the memorial.
5: I remember him, Jim. He had kind of a unique voice.
2: Very unique. Yep. Yeah. And just a nice guy. I really, I, I miss Ralph. I miss all of our old regular callers. We had, we had some good ones, needless to say. And Ralph was certainly one of them. So, what did you think of the Medeli, uh, interview?
5: Oh, I thought it was interesting. He, um he didn't say anything that was new. I don't believe. Uh, yeah. He's always been fairly, very well opinionated about police issues. Yeah,
2: yeah. You well, know, Dave's been, uh, you know, a long-time friend and continues to be. And I don't remember. You know, again, all of this happened, you know, ten, twelve years ago. And my impression of the whole thing, you know, again, as I said on the air, I dealt with a former sheriff's deputy that was hooked on drugs as a result of being a narc and. Dave came to his defense. Well, as Dave pointed out today, that wasn't quite the case, but yeah, I appreciated Dave coming on. Uh, Tom Erskine's going to be joining us, John. I, I don't. don't know.
5: Good, well, sure, I uh, hope so. I, Tom always has good opinions about things.
2: Yeah, yeah, he must have got tied up somewhere. Hey, I want to give a quick plug. Um, Jeremiah Bullfrogs, 29th and Watermaker. I don't know how many years the Best of Topeka contest has been sponsored by the Capital Journal. 13, 14, 15 years, something like that now. There's never been a year to where Bullfrogs hasn't been named as the number one sports bar to be found in northeast Kansas. Uh, This year, I believe it was Bullfrogs Live. But um, the Fatalee family has owned the bar that has been the best sports bar in Topeka ever since that uh, whole Best of Topeka contest was created. And for good reason. You know, where else can you go and get c see 55 TVs to where you can watch any sporting event you want to watch? Uh, it makes no difference. What it is, Troy Billado you know, coach for an indoor football team in Chicago, well, they can pull those games in. Uh, if it's on satellite, Jeremiah Bullfrogs can find that sporting event for you. So, folks, if you just moved here from whatever the community is, if you want to go to Jeremiah Bullfrogs and watch your favorite college team play on a Saturday, all you have to do is let the bartender know. And if it's out there on satellite somewhere, they'll pull that game in for you. It's just that need of a place. Check it out, 29th and Wanamaker,
5: and great food as well. What's it, Jim, if they're going to do the KU-Nebraska game tomorrow night? Because it's on pay-per-view, and they say it's like 35 bucks or something like that.
2: I'm sure they'll I'm sure they have it. That's right, that is a pay- pay-per-view, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I've heard. Uh, I well, probably see team. you might see your good friend Ken Softly. Yeah. yeah, 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 being the Nebraska fan that he is. Yeah, thirty-five points spread—that's a lot of points. Is that what it is? Yeah.
5: Boy, I better get some money down on that game. You're you're going KU? Well, sure. After that comeback against Colorado, that's the biggest story of the week.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is the poorest coaching job ever at Division One for Colorado. Yeah. You know, all Colorado had to do that fourth quarter was run the ball, three downs, punt, run the ball, three downs, punt, run the ball, three downs, and punt. It would have been impossible for KU to have scored 28 points. The well, only reason, and I think the press is right on this, I think it was Kevin Haskin, I'm not sure, uh, Corcoran, I don't know who wrote the story, but at any rate, they said, you know, probably the reason Colorado didn't do that, that the coach's son was quarterbacking and was having that John Elway day. Everything was going right and was simply trying to make his statistics look better. And he was still throwing the ball in the fourth quarter. To where Colorado should have been thinking victory rather than let's help the sun out. So,
5: Well, that's his, a be perspective. Hmm? But I was there, and i got to tell you, KU did everything right. I mean, from uh, defense, special teams, to offense. I mean, it was just going KU's way in that fourth quarter. And um, I think, well, even a few times, um, Colorado ran the ball. And, well, I know one time they fumbled, and the ball was picked up and ran in for a touchdown. Um, but it was, everything was happening. And when, when, on a 30-yard pass, one of our receivers from KU, the ball is behind him. He turns around. He's running to his left. He has to turn around because the ball's behind him. So he turns counterclockwise while he's running the other way and reaches up with his left hand and pulls down that path, the coach for the Colorado has to say, this isn't going to turn out well. <laughs> <laughs>
4: the
2: you were actually in the stands at the end of the game.
5: Though. Oh,
4: yes. it's did the whole thing.
5: A guesstimate
2: like, on the crowd at the end of the game. I heard anywhere from five to 10,000 people. Oh, uh, no,
5: no, More than that. Um, oh, good. Oh, probably half the people had left. Uh, but and half are still there. Oh, yeah. Well, that's half good. Still there and Half of the students were still there. And uh probably half of the people on the, on the other side, uh, the old folks' side, I guess you might call it, were still there. But um, and the students were loud; they were che- cheering it up, good for them, you know, because they were watching something special. Of course, every time something would happen, you'd say, "Well, at least we did that." Yeah. And yeah. then you'd say, "Well, at least we did that," but we never ever got to the point of say we're going to win. Yeah. <laughs> until yeah. until <laughs> we scored fifty-two points, somebody says, "I'll be darned." <laughs>
2: would oh, love to see it. it. You know, Turner Gill, uh, I hope he makes it. You know, he's truly one of the nice guys yeah, it's true. in uh, Division One football. You want to see at some point in time a nice guy make it. Terry Allen, you know, the previous KU yeah. coach, nice guy. But unfortunately, just wasn't able to quite put it together. And I don't want to see the jerks win. I want to see the nice guys win.
5: There you go. And Turner Gill is one of the good ones. So... Leo Durocher didn't do anybody any favor when he said "nice guys finish last." Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
5: You know, he really didn't.
2: No, nope. unfortunately, because you know that's hung around. A lot of people remember.
5: That I know. Statement. Yeah. And you also have the um, the Bear Bryant model of taking the guys out to the desert when he was at Texas A and M. They'd say took a hundred guys and came back with forty or something like that. That <laughs> these forty are the ones that want to play. They're men. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well. Yeah. That's that model of coaching has hopefully gone bye-bye. Yeah. And Woody Hayes, as far as oh yeah,
2: <laughs> physical, a uh, little physical abuse.
5: Yeah. When he the punched Ohio the opposing player, that did him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That did it. Yeah. But um, uh, I, I, at halftime, one of the people I was with had to leave to go someplace. And so he said, I'll tell you what's going to happen. He said, in the second half, he was going to come out and march the ball right on down the field and score. Then they're going to do an onside kick, and they're going to march the ball on down the field and score. And I reached in my pocket, and I said, I probably can find $100 in here. I'll take that bet. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't take it, and I'm fortunate. But uh, it's just about the story of what happened. It was just incredible.
2: Yeah, You know, they've had one of the uh, possibly the most humiliating, embarrassing losses KU's history this year, mm-hmm. and they've had one of the greatest comeback tales <laughs> ever in the history of KU football in the same year. I mean, they have been to the bottom of the well, yeah, and they have seen the top of the mountaintop. You know, they've been at both extremes this year. North Dakota State that was truly probably the most embarrassing loss KU's ever suffered. Well, uh,
5: except for Northern Iowa in basketball, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's similar, similar kind of a thing. And and North Dakota. North Dakota gets uh the kind of Rodney Danger field of sports for most things anyway. It was a couple of years ago I think um that the North Dakota State University basketball team took us to the well, um, very close to I think that was our championship year actually. Um, and had a tough game against North Dakota North Dakota State. They played very, very hard.
2: John Arnold is my guest, and we're going to be talking about the top stories of the week. John, we need to take a break. I've got to run down the hole. Okay. Uh, When we come back, I want to pay President Obama a compliment for putting together this Commission on Fiscal Responsibility and Reform. Uh, John, I'm sure you've seen the stories. Uh, You bet. We're all getting leaks on what's coming out officially in December. Yep. What I'm seeing on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm going to give uh, an 8, if not a 9, to this. And again a lot of credit is going to our current administration. Boy, I'll tell you, it's tough for me to say that. We'll get into the reasons why and what John Arnold thinks, because John usually attacks these situations from a little different perspective than I do. So you'll be hearing both sides, and possibly Tom Erskine uh, of TV49 News is supposed to be joining us, and hopefully uh, he must have had a last-minute assignment, but hopefully he'll be coming in. It's all coming up on The Jim Cates Show. Stay tuned.
8: Jackson's Greenhouse, your plant shopping center. Let Jackson put a big smile on your home. Landscape planning and design, we listen and we take the time. We're professionals and we're out to make it known. We're your plant shopping center all the way. Jackson's Greenhouse has what you need today. Residential or commercial, we're at your service. Landscape to lawn supplies that you like best. From roses, flowers, shrubs and trees to everything your garden needs. Jackson says just come in be our guest. Jackson's Greenhouse, your lawn and garden place. We're your plant shopping center all the way. At Jackson's Greenhouse, we're out to make your day.
10: Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org a special place on the internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. BreastCancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer.
11: Eyewear Unique is a fun, upscale optical shop located in Topeka. They may be in Mid-America, but their frame selection is world-class. The expert staff will help you into your first really awesome pair of high-quality eyewear. Their designer frame selection will hold its own against the finest shops in New York or L.A. Eyewear Unique is not just another optical shop. They are truly new and different. They are not interested in selling you a pair of glasses. They are interested in selling you eyeglasses for the rest of your life. Your face is a work of art, and it deserves a great frame. Eyewear Unique offers top-of-the-line designer frames with names like Etnia, Barcelona, Lunor, Robert Mark, L.A. Eyeworks, Bevel Spax, House Oliver Peoples, Ray-Ban, and Oakley, just to name a few. The frames run from stylish and affordable $90 eyewear to the extraordinary Fossa Frost line. Located at 4008 Southwest Huntoon Street in Topeka, or visit them on the web at eyewearuniquetopeka.com. Take your face to the next level. Eyewear unique. Eyewear for life.
12: This is Risa with Lower Plumbing Heating and Air Conditioning. We are not just your heating and air conditioning experts. We also can take care of any of your plumbing needs, including sewers and backflow preventers. So call us now at 357 5123.
6: Welcome back to Jim Cates at CJOnline.com. Our phone lines are now open at 295 1150 or email Jim at jim.cates at cjonline.com. Here's Jim.
2: Okay, we're back. I was sure. typing an email. John Arnold? Sure. Let's talk about, by the way, coming up at 10 o'clock, as he does each and every Friday, Dave Jackson. Lawn and garden tips, that's all coming up Monday morning. We've got Tim Richard coming in at 8, and boy, there's a lot to talk about with Tim. And then at uh, 8.45, joining me, uh, this is a guest that our good friend Terrence Stewart in Manhattan helped me line up. Peter Van Kuren his name. And he is the director of the Manhattan Regional Airport. Why would we be having somebody on from Manhattan that heads up a regional airport? Well, because folks, you can fly three times a day out of Manhattan into Dallas and starting the 18th of November next week, two non-stop flights a day into Chicago. This is a <laughs> an airport that is really on the move. So I want to find out from Peter, and folks, I'm sure you do too, what are they doing that is Everything seems to be coming up roses in Manhattan. What are they doing that we're not? Well, we're going to get the story Monday. Should be a should be an interesting 45 minutes or so. So that's what's coming up. John Earl's with me. Uh, I did talk to uh, Tom Erskine, TV49 News Director, yesterday, as a matter of fact, and he was planning on coming in this morning. In fact, he was going to come in a little early, so
4: <clears throat>
2: obviously he's gotten tied up doing something. So John, let's talk about.
5: Let's be some breaking news out there.
2: Oh boy, uh, the commission to reduce the federal de- deficit. Is that oh, breaking yeah. news, yeah. yeah. Folks, currently we have a 13.7 trillion dollar deficit. Uh, and again, I think this was due to bad Republican leadership for eight years, and certainly no better under the Obama administration. He's added to uh, this deficit total, but. To give Obama some credit so far, and I'm doing this, well, so far this looks good. He created a commission on fiscal responsibility and reform to take a look at how we can reduce our federal deficit. Now, John Arnold and I are going to get into uh, the details of this plan. And, folks, I think you're going to like some of what you're hearing. What really struck me, the reason I like this, Nancy Pelosi said this is one of the worst pieces of trash you've ever seen. She absolutely is not going to sponsor virtually anything in this uh, proposal. Uh, you're hearing the same thing from organized labor. They hate it, which, again, would uh, lend me to believe, hey, we're really onto something good here. But on the right, we have Grover Norquist that heads up a taxpayer's group in Washington uh, that fights tax increases, which is good. But Grover Norquist said, no, nah, I don't like this either. The home builders are coming down on this saying, no, nah, we're not going to support it. Why?
5: Well, because well let's talk it,
2: about Senator John Arnold. He
5: gores everybody's ox.
2: And boy does it ever.
5: And uh, <clears throat> as uh, the two the co-chairmen, Erskine Bowles and uh, Simpson. Uh, What's Simpson's first name?
2: Alan Simpson, former Alan, uh, Senator yes. from Wyoming, conservative right. Republican.
5: Very good guy. Um, mm-hmm. Both are very bright guys, They're very knowledgeable. And uh, they've said this is going to make everybody angry. Uh, because it does something to everybody and of course the home builders don't like the fact that it includes taking away the mortgage interest deduction from your income taxes and um, the I don't know what all is in it that the unions don't care for but I'm sure part of of it is that they're touching that holy rail of uh, unholy rail of Social Security and say we have to do something to fix Social Security and that includes raising the age of eligibility for Somebody who's under fifty or something like that, some some cutoff point like that. Plus, um, reducing the colas, uh, automatic colas on Social Security going forward. Oh, and a couple of other things. Oh, increasing the payroll deduction from um, uh, current salaries, increasing that a little bit. And I, I I don't know that they've included it, Jim, but I think they've got to raise that that uh, cap. It's currently one hundred six thousand eight hundred dollars. Any salary above that is not, doesn't have a payroll, de- a FICA deduction.
2: Yeah, and another thing they're doing, uh, John, that I like, <clears throat> we're uh, getting down to three uh, tax groupings as opposed to what the current five or six. They're getting closer to a flat tax, flat income tax, which to me yes. has always made so much sense. I agree with you. And, and they're coming down to that, uh, to where they're getting closer to a flat tax. The only thing, another thing that was in the bill, uh, folks, is getting rid of or reducing malpractice suits on health care. Now, again, we're talking about frivolous lawsuits. If somebody has a serious situation, obviously, they'll still have the right to sue. But we're starting to go about the business of eliminating and re- or reducing frivolous lawsuits concerning malpractice, which God knows it's needed to reduce health care costs. Farm subsidies, uh, reducing farm subsidies. Uh, massive oh, yeah. And, yeah, and defense spending. The only thing that I didn't like, and there's obviously going to be something in here that everybody dislikes, was in order to balance the budget and to start really seriously reducing our uh, $13 trillion deficit is a $0.15 cent a gallon gas tax. That I'm opposed to. But everything else, it really deals with responsible government spending. And getting rid of some of these uh, unnecessary subsidies and tax loopholes, uh, eliminating uh, interest deductions on your home.
5: Yeah, that one bothers me because I think we've we've always felt like home ownership was something important, and we want to encourage it.
2: John, we've never had home ownership
5: we've been in our all lifetime. Had, we've had some, but not no universal.
2: Tell me where we've had home ownership in this country in your lifetime.
5: Put do you mean where we've had it. Uh, just where
2: where we've had home ownership. Where in this country can you truly own your own home? I want to give you an example where I'm going with this. Uh, I contend we've never had true home ownership in this country in my lifetime, nor yours, John Arnold, because you can pay the mortgage off on your home. You can have a mortgage-free home. John Arnold, go for the next 24 months without paying property taxes on your home, and let's find out who truly Owns your home?
5: It's not well, John Arnold. Well, uh, yeah, you. There are uh, I, even if I own my home, my mortgage is paid off. i still have to pay the utilities. You still got to pay, pay your off. taxes. Huh? You don't have
2: to pay utilities.
5: Well, you know, yeah, you, you go, do if you want them. I mean.
2: Well, yeah, but I mean, you could live in your home, and you know, you could burn wood, but you do have to pay property tax. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Because Westar is not going to evict you from your home. But believe you me you go two or three years without paying property taxes John Arnold you're going to find out in a hurry who really owns your home
5: well we do have a, a uh, mutual um, a mutual ownership kind of I suppose you could say in terms of property taxes so that your neighbor help own your home as well as everybody else in town yep. but anyway um, I just like encouraging home ownership. I think it's a good thing to do. Why? I don't know. I just think it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got to uh, say you know, that because
2: you know, and I don't understand the home builders, you know, fighting for this deduction tooth and toenail, which they're going to do, because John doesn't it. It doesn't make any difference for a family whether they live in an apartment or a detached home some home builder is going to build either that detached home or an apartment. Well, true. When, when we get rid of home ownership, so to speak, this deduction, it's not going to put people out on the streets. We're not going to have anybody that say, is going to say, well, I can't deduct the interest on my loan anymore. Let's move out in the country and live in a tent. Not going no, to happen. Good. They're still going to live in uh, some housing that was built by a home builder. So, John Arnold, why the big deal over this deduction? I
5: interest? think a, from what I'm reading out there, trending is that kind of question a lot of people are asking. They're saying maybe it makes more sense for me to rent rather than try to buy a home nowadays. And uh, what's the difference? Well, that's a good good question for you know for you if you want to own a home that's important to you. But maybe you just say, no, I just want shelter so if I can rent it, fine. I'm going to have to pay a monthly bill anyway. What difference does it make? I guess.
2: Well, John, I'm with you. You know, I love home ownership because, again, it gives my family a sense of security. That you know, when the mortgage is paid, there's uh, again less income we're going to have to devote to home ownership or you know, dwelling, yeah, a place to dwell. So I'm I'm in support of home ownership, so to speak, as you defined it. Home ownership, you know, I defined it with a question mark, but point being, you know, I'm a strong supporter of owning a home. But here's the reason, and when we have an economic downturn, that maybe it doesn't make quite as much sense to own your home. That if an, if you're into an economic downturn, and you're one of the 10% that has lost your job as a result of the downturn, yeah, leaving, picking up stakes, pulling up stakes, and leaving your community, going to another community to find a job, it's a lot easier to do. If you're renting, well, that's sure true. As opposed to owning a home, because now, as a renter, you're mobile.
5: Yep, you're exactly right. And a lot of people to find a job need to do just that: pack it up and move on down the road to where the jobs are. And that's hard to do, particularly hard if you own a home. It becomes an anchor for you. There's no question.
2: By the way, folks, if you're listening. I'm sure you're not uh, keeping score. I am. We are now. How deep into the show? Thirty minutes into the show, this is the third time, and possibly the fourth. John Arnold has said,
5: Jim, you're right <laughs>
2: <Huh>? Well, <laughs> I'm on you're
5: old today uh, when, huh? when you say sensible things, I say <laughs> you're right
4: <laughs>
5: <laughs> and And I too like this commission and like the fact that they're taking on the sacred cows. That's exactly right. Because it needs to be done, and it's a thirteen point seven trillion dollar debt. It's not a deficit; it's the debt that we're talking about. But they're they're addressing it. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, that's a big number. And we've got uh, there's just a story on the internet today about how the states uh, and their pensions, their high dollar pensions, are going to be the next crisis, the next big bailout. Is probably going to go to states and local governments because
2: yeah, Kansas is one of the top ten states, I believe, on that list. I haven't seen. There are it past, only
5: four that they list that are uh, have sufficient money set aside for their pensions, and uh, those four are New York, um, <laughs> wow, Ohio. Let me see if I had this list right there. Uh, Already two surprises. I would have guessed. Florida, known. New York, Washington, and Wisconsin. I take it back. Only four states. Wow. I could make the claim that they covered it. But, you know, they're talking about 10,000 people, 10,000 retirees in California alone will be getting pensions of of at least $100,000 this year. (laughs) 10,000 times $100,000. That's That's a lot of money.
2: That's absolutely incredible, isn't it? Yep. Absolutely incredible. John, taking a look at this whole commission to reduce the federal deficit, folks, uh, starting in December, this is going to be the story with our newly uh, elected members of Congress coming on board. I believe you me, and there's details of this proposal will be trickling out over the next uh, couple of weeks, and then uh, December the lid comes off, and, boy, this will be the uh, top-of-the-fold uh, front-page story. Which one of the proposals, John, I think we've gone through them all, makes the most sense to you that's going to be the easiest
5: to pass? Well, I hope that they don't deal with these things piecemeal, Jim, and try to deal with them. which one's passing by themselves that put together a package. Well, they have to have, what's the rule? They have to have 14 members of the 18-member commission
4: vote for
5: committee, yeah. coming out of that commission going to Congress. The easiest one to pass, boy, that's a tough, tough question. None of them sound very easy. I think perhaps changing Social Security uh, prospectively on down the road might be the easiest because you're talking about... Um, ensuring that the people who are younger than 50 still have Social Security, but they don't retire until they're 69 or something like that, rather than uh, 66 and a half, I think would be right. So much sense. By the way, we just got an
2: email, Jim. at cgonline. com. Frank Williams just emailed us, John, and said uh, apparently he's keeping score as well. And <laughs> he said uh, Jim is right on the homeownership and. <laughs> And talking about you agreeing with me uh, doesn't happen often, but occasionally it does. But, John, you know, this seems to be a no-brainer as far as the Social Security. And you're right, organized labor's uh, hopping they're hopping up and down. we are going to fight this to some extent. But, you know, raising the full retirement age to 68, 69, phasing it in to where it's not going to impact anybody over the age of 40. You know, it's going to impact the younger uh, contributors to our Social Security fund. Yeah, it just makes so much sense that we do that.
5: It does, so and there's and going to
2: be money there for the 25-year-old worker as well.
5: Yeah, that's right. And the 25-year-old worker probably thinks, as many younger do, thinks they're not going to be Social Security. It's not going to be there when they get there. But I think by making these kinds of changes, you you say to them, yes, it will be, and here's here's how it will be. And uh, I think that's important also. Yeah, And here's one of the stumbling blocks you're going to run into, uh, I think,
2: from the Republicans. You're going to hit uh, the organized labor roadblocks from the left. And you're going to have a group of key Republicans from the right that are going to be saying, well, yeah, it needs to be raised to 68, 69, but let's get into individual savings accounts. And that possibly is going to be a stumbling block.
5: Well, I think yeah. it will. They, they ran, uh, when the Republicans controlled both houses of Congress and the presidency, they tried to run that through, and they couldn't make it
2: work. Yep. So I don't think they're going
5: to be able to make it work.
2: I don't either, but it's going to be a stumbling block. And uh, I know my, my son's listening today, I think, and he's a strong proponent. You know, these individual savings accounts, as so many people on the right are, I've got serious reservations about uh, individual savings accounts. I guess I just don't trust uh, the average rank-and-file American's discipline to save money. Uh, I don't know. I, I, yeah, you're still going to have to monitor it. You're still going to have to police it. And if you're talking individual accounts, I just don't see that money staying in an individual's account that long because there always are emergencies in every one of our lives that comes up to where we need to take that money out temporarily. Well, it never gets back in.
5: Well, that's in right. People. And I have a couple of examples. One is a financial planner, a certified financial planner, friend of mine who. Said she had a lot of people come to her who were uh, bought out of uh, when Southwestern Bell bought out a lot of positions a few years ago. And this couple came to her and they said, "Well, we were given a lump sum buyout and uh, we bought a boat and an RV and now we want you to take the rest of this money and invest it for us so we uh, for our pension." Mm -hmm. She said, "You don't have enough money left because they spent it on the RV and the boat, you know." Mm -hmm. And Another example was uh, when I was in Eureka, California, about, oh, I don't know, uh, 10 years before or something like that, before I was there, a uh, council member who owned a lot of land got the city council to pay off all the firefighters' pension, pay them lump sum for what they've got currently, what would be their liability, because it was a property tax-supported pension. And so this particular councilman saved a whole bunch of money I think it was about $60,000 a year of property taxes by not having to pay that pension cost. And as a consequence, these firefighters were given lump sums of money. Of course, all the investment bankers and um, stockbrokers and so on found it was a great windfall because they could help manage this money for these firefighters. But unfortunately, they... Well, was
2: still money the firefighters had access to. And the temptation to to dip in to what was supposed to be their future security.
5: And they made bad investments, and uh, almost all of them, and and not all of them did, but almost all lost all their money Yep. because they were put into the wrong kind of investments. And probably some spend on RVs and boats too, though, you know. yep, People do that.
2: Protecting us from ourselves and the age-old argument of how far should government go. Well, in terms of retirement, you know again this social security system we've got certainly isn't uh... perfect by any stretch of the imagination I like the lockbox idea to where we're actually setting this money aside where it's truly going to be there and we're not looking at this as being part of our thirteen trillion dollar debt that we have in this country but these personal savings accounts I just don't think we have the discipline or the wherewithal to do it right so
5: you I and I are in agreement once again Oh I agree Okay, the, Go ahead. The, the story in the paper um, from, well, it's on, on the Internet, so I'm not sure where it came from, thanks. It says in New York, a 44-year-old firefighter retires with a $101,000 a year pension for life. 44 years old.
4: <laughs>
5: that's that totally pays. irresponsible. Yeah, you're going to have to pay him for another 40 years. And, totally uh, irresponsible. That's $4 million. Oh, well, plus, plus there's probably colas built in, so it goes up from there. But, anyway.
2: John, what's going to be the toughest? Uh Proposals so far that we've seen out of this commission on fiscal responsibility and reform to get passed.
5: Well, that's a tough call for me, uh, Jim, um, because I think it's all tough. Um, who's going to be the strongest against it? Um, well, I, I think the toughest probably is going to be raising the income tax, and they're going to have to raise some. Uh, now, now, maybe you, you said that 18 cents a gallon fuel tax.
2: Yeah, fifteen. Yeah, fifteen cents. Yeah,
5: that'll be tough. That'll be tough because we've always had the fuel tax going for transportation and not going for general funds. Yeah,
2: hopefully that's going to be tough. Farm subsidies, I think, is going to be a near impossibility. Maybe we can start paring that back a little.
5: The thing with farm subsidies, though, you know, those were great when you had family farmers, but corporate farmers, uh, the big. Beneficiaries of farm centers are these corporate farms. Bingo. Huge <coughs> outfits. Uh, what? Uh, oh, I can't think of their names, frankly, but uh, everybody knows them.
2: Mises. Well, that also means uh, huge uh, lobbying <laughs> influence as well. Well, you're not going so, Yeah, that's going to be a toughie. Defense spending. You know, I really hope that this group on the left and right, they really key in on defense spending, and there's several of us on the conservative right that feel that defence spending has gotten way out of hand in this country. You know, when you take our total budget for defence spending and then you take a look at the country that ranks number two on this planet, through twenty you add up all of those countries, those nineteen countries. Their defense spending still doesn't equal ours. Yep. There's something wrong.
5: You're right again, Jim. Oh, damn, I'm all up. It's amazing. Uh, um, 60. I, I don't you know, I just I tell you what I wish is I wish that they, this commission, had had a deadline of October 1 so that it, we could have had the candidates all running on what they're going to support and what they're not going to support. You betcha. Then we could have voted to say, okay, if she's not going to support that, then I'm not voting for it. Wouldn't that
2: have been great if this thing would have come out? Yeah. On the and they the said,
5: well, let's not do it because it'll be an election issue. Well, it should be an election issue. It yeah. should have been out there on the table for everybody. And, you know, there are two things that they didn't talk about during the election that I never heard. One, nobody talked about the war. Nobody talked about Afghanistan or right. Iraq. Yeah. And nobody talked about what this commission was going to come out with or what they had leaked and what they were if they were going to support it or not. Yeah. Those are the two biggest issues we have confronting us, and they weren't talked about. Yeah. I well, just think that's awful.
2: I guess I look at the silver lining because being a conservative, I don't look at uh, President Obama. I have it up until now as an individual truly concerned about our $13 trillion debt. And, you know, I'll balance this out by saying the same thing of our former President Bush. Didn't really seem to have much concern about it either. But as a result of this commission being formed, you know, I guess I'm looking for that silver lining, and we might have found one, that now we're in a position we've got to take a long, hard look at this commission's findings because this truly was a bipartisan commission. And maybe Obama is somewhat serious about reduction of our federal debt. So,
5: oh, I sure hope so. Yeah,
2: I do, I too. So. I do, too. So I, this, this is all good news. And Lord knows there's going to be a lot of political posturing on the right and left on this thing. But I'm just, I guess I'm looking for that middle ground, knowing that everything on this commission report is not going to pass. I think we realize that's not going to happen. And it would be unrealistic to expect it to happen. But just looking for that middle ground, what can happen, and I think defense spending, this might be it.
5: Well, I would sure like to see defense yeah. spending cut because we're up to what 700 billion or something like that annually in defense spending. I think that's what the number is.
2: Yeah, because we're going to have the Ron Pauls now in uh, the Senate, and uh, you know the Ron Paul influence, the Buchanan influence on the right. But hopefully, you know, we're going to hear a lot from these individuals, you know, defending the right, saying we're not anti-patriotic because we want to cut defense spending. No, because we want to bring home 60 of the 70,000 troops we have in Germany. That's not an anti-patriotic statement. That's just one that makes a lot of sense fiscally.
5: Well, it does. It does. Um, You know, unfortunately, and you've said this many times, that the Republican President George W. Bush and Dick Cheney got uh, us spending too much money, and of course, Dick Cheney is famous for having said, "Reagan proved that deficits don't matter," and uh, that's just the wrong, wrong thing to think about. You know, yeah. deficits do matter. Absolutely, they matter at the federal level, and, and you know, all of our states and, and local governments can't have deficits.
2: Yeah. Because well, because I
5: think. Uh, we print money, you know
2: I think a new days doning in America, I'm excited about this uh, this commission. So, I think this is going to be good. John, let's talk about, um, I want to get to a local issue if I could. Sure. It doesn't look like Tom Erskine is going to be joining us today. I didn't hear from Tom. Oh, that's so too bad. Yeah, it is. I'm just having him on. Dave Jackson just walked in. He's going to be joining us at 10. We're going to be talking about lawn and garden tips. But a story that uh, Tim Richer's is coming on Monday. This is going to be the first thing I'm going to ask Tim Richer. But, John, you've been involved in, you know, at the city management level for many, many years. I want to talk about the TMTA, our local bus service in Topeka. There was a proposal made that the TMTA be brought into the city as a separate department as opposed to having this uh, set aside, we'll manage our business with uh, a 4.2 mil levy. Bob Archer, city councilman from Southwest Topeka, is the only one that says this is a good idea to bring it into the city. Now to me, this makes all the sense in the world is to bring this thing into the city to our city council city manager can manage this tmta john you've been there done that why are eight members of our city council either opposing it or sitting this thing out for now what what does bob archer and i see that everybody else doesn't or vice versa what's wrong with this proposal
5: i i don't think there's anything wrong with it um i always like to see the taxing entities underneath the general purpose government, the, the, the people who have the perspective for the overview. And there's nobody that does that better than the city council. The TMTA has a separate board and all they have to levy for is TMTA. That doesn't tend to make them be as concerned for expenditures as a general purpose government. Bingo. I think the same holds for the library. Thank you. And the same holds for, for the Forbes uh, uh, Topeka Airport Authority. Mm-hmm. What do we call that? P? MTAA. Yeah. M T A A. There mm-hmm. we are. Um, you know, I, I just think that the city council needs to have control over all of the taxing entities that are out there, and um, that, that's a general principle. I think. I think why is- would
2: why would uh, so many of our city council members be opposed to this? Then what? I guess that's where I'm trying to come up with some logic why they would say no. Because, again, if you're serving on a TMTA board, uh-huh. you were appointed to that board because you're passionate about bus service. If you're serving on the library board, it's because you're passionate about the library. If you're right. serving on the MTAA board, it's because you're passionate about something else. Yep. These aren't elective positions.
4: No,
12: right.
2: These are political appointees that are being appointed to these boards to support their cause. Where's the checks and balances in that? Well, there is if get you get out of the TMTA of being controlled by the city, Council. It's now we're into, group. well, now we're not into this uh, total support group. We're into a group of people that have differing opinions, represent different areas of the community. They're going to take a much more objective look at bus service in the city of Topeka than appointing five people to serve on a commission, all of which are going to singing from the same hymnal. That's true. We like our bus service. We need more money. Yeah. I, again, I, I've... From a conservative standpoint, I don't understand why there's that much opposition.
5: I like the idea of having your city council people who are comparing uh, a dollar for police services, a dollar for fire services, a dollar for public works, and a dollar for library and a dollar for bus. They're comparing them all. Mm-hmm. You say, okay, how many dollars? How do we allocate the do- dollars that we have? Yeah. And a special interest group like a bus mm-hmm. a bus board or a library board, they have. They say, "Okay, what is it we need? We'll levy that ma- that amount if they can, they will." And the library, uh, I don't know what their limit is, but I think we spend five or six mills on the library. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. uh, but it's something like that. And I think it'd be better if it were par- all part under the umbrella of the city council. Then you can put things together and look in, in many and most of the cities that I was in, we had those kinds of things. Uh, under the city, but in some of them, they
4: were separate, and it's a, it's a tough balancing act because you can't influence. Uh, yeah. Shawnee uh, County
2: Library, them. by the way, 8.9 mils, 9 mils. 8.9, okay. Yeah, to support uh, our library, which is roughly 25% of uh, what we spend money manage Shawnee County. Uh, our library gets a lot of money <laughs> this community, a lot of it, needless to say. Yeah, yeah. It's a very good library. There's no question. It should be. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, I think Gina Millsap. She's done a nice job. Uh, yeah, she's got yeah. a lot of money to spend, but she's competent. And yeah, yeah. But
5: uh, it would be, I think, better to have both of those entities under the city council. I'm not sure why the city council wouldn't want that, other than they're going to be pressured by those two groups, just like they're pressured by everybody else, to spend more money. There, sure. uh, we spend about two million dollars a year if I'm not mistaken, on various and sundry social services, entities not run by the city. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just give them money and then they go out and they spend it as uh, mm-hmm. their their charges to do for whatever social service they are providing. You bet. Mm-hmm. And so that's out of control. I mean, that's out of the city council or city manager's control. But um, I think the, 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 the less of that you have, the better, frankly. I think you can control things a whole lot better and make Everybody worked together a lot better by having them all under one
2: umbrella. com. if you get a question or a comment. Real quick plug for downtown Antique and Collectibles Mall, 5th and Harrison, one block east of Topeka Boulevard. Folks, it's a great place. It's a fun place to shop because they've got three stories. I mean, there's everything known to man, I think, to downtown Antique and Collectibles Mall. You know, from jukeboxes to... Furniture, antiques, collectibles, garage sale items, it's all there. And it's constantly changing inventory in a store like this. It's unpredictable what you're going to find when you go in there. It's just fun. But they also take items on consignment. So if you've got some unwanted stuff laying around, you're looking for a way to pick up a little Christmas cash maybe, take your items, your unwanted items that truly are in good shape, obviously, that are saleable to the downtown antique and collectibles mall they'll place your items in their store on consignment which means it doesn't cost you a dime as your items sell sixty five percent roughly of what they sell your items for you get back in the form of cash Uh, you don't have to go through the hassle of having a garage sale you don't have to go through the hassle of doing anything other than just getting those items there they're open seven days a week again the downtown antique and collectibles mall if you haven't checked it out folks this could be your source for additional Christmas cash. Okay. like a good deal. Uh, it is a great deal. Well, John, we're going to be talking about this TMTA with uh, Tim Richard. We're going to be getting the story behind the story. On that, the petition drive, this is something you were involved in. Are you comfortable with where our county commission is on this uh, whole $2.1 million issue of the county keeping $2.1 million from the city? As it pertains to the petition drive which you were involved in?
5: Well, I think I, uh, uh, the latest story that I read, Jim, was that the county commission was thinking about calling the election for March or whatever the next municipal election is. But I thought under the petition law that they had to call the election within 60 or 90 days. So I'm not sure. What the
2: Somehow they found a loophole around that. Uh, has your group met since uh, the county commission has come, to, uh, come up with that or uh, i don't know any counter action to it everybody
5: yeah i've not met for, with him so i don't know what's happening. Okay. Um, i ought to put through a call and find out if they have met and talked about it why
2: don't you do that and we'll talk about that next uh... next yeah. friday when you're on to see whether everybody's pretty much on board with where the county is in terms of uh... you know saving a hundred fifty thousand dollars at least that we're not going to be burning for some goofy special election, that's 7% of the money we're basically going to be spending for a special election. If there's a way to get around that, uh, (laughs)
5: it makes all the sense. There is a way to get around it, and that is for the county to just to to repeal that charter ordinance that they adopted and say, okay, we're not going to take that money. It goes to the
2: city. Yeah, that's not going to happen,
5: though. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Probably
2: should. Uh, That's another option out there, but I don't think that's going to happen, unfortunately.
5: Well, it's pretty clear um, the county ought to be able to read the tea leaves uh, that are on that petition. It only took two weeks to get 3,500 signatures, and you needed 2,000 or something like that. Uh, It's pretty uh, pretty unpopular action on the part of the county commission.
2: John, we've got about seven minutes. Dave Jackson's.
5: on deck? Uh, what is he going to talk about? What, what can we plant know. now? I, I don't know. What uh, can we do to <laughs> our yard?
2: <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to be finding out. Yeah. John, one more topic downtown Topeka. Yeah. And again, something else that mystifies me. I have made it a point to drive down Kansas Avenue again this week. I don't see anything ugly, uh, worn looking driving down Kansas Avenue. I mean, there are some empty storefronts. Obviously, they need need to be filled. But as far as the money the city spent on the streetscape, as far as the stores that are open in downtown Topeka, their facings look good. The plannings, the whole nine yards, downtown Topeka, to me, is not ugly. You fill some of these uh, vacant storefronts. Why do we need to do anything else to downtown Topeka? Why are we talking about eliminating two lanes of traffic? I I, I just have a million why questions on this whole downtown Topeka redevelopment. I don't get it. If we're going to spend taxpayer money, wouldn't we be money ahead rather than screwing around with the street again, as we've done in the past, is going back and getting serious about economic incentives for an entrepreneur that wants to open up a business in downtown Topeka? you know we've tossed out some money in that area in the past I know that but why not really get serious about it this time and let's attract people that want to relocate to downtown Topeka let's fill the storefronts downtown Topeka looks good the storefronts
5: are doing sharp. very well huh? the, n- the new bank building on in the 700 block of Kansas mm-hmm. nice looking building they've done a nice job with that mm-hmm. and then the remodel of the 9th and Kansas building that used to be Thompson Crawley is now um, Interest? Uh, no, that's not right. Um, I, f- I forget the name, but anyway, that's a nicely remodeled building, and um, they're building a new one at the corner of Sixth in Kansas, mm-hmm. on the what is that? The west southwest southwest corner. There's a lot of stuff that looks good down there, um, and I don't know that you need to change the streetscape, particularly. But you know. People are out there talking about it, trying to see what makes sense and what they can agree to. And I think you know, having ideas is a good idea, good thing to do. But um, you need to have some stability also for the entrepreneur to go in there and say, okay, I'm going to go into this particular storefront and and try to sell whatever I'm trying to sell.
2: Yeah, we're just moving in an insurance agency, something you know, to fill some of these uh, unoccupied spaces in downtown Topeka. Yeah, and you build it, they'll come. I don't know. I I just think there's a wiser way. And by the way, folks, we we always start off Dave's show talking about some of these issues. So I'll ask the same questions of Dave. So we'll get uh, Dave's uh, perspective, being a small business owner. Although Jackson's is approaching a large business now, but uh, we'll be getting we'll be getting his perspective on a lot of this as well.
5: Yeah, I'd like to do if Dave had an unlimited budget for landscaping. What would he do in the downtown?
2: Yeah. Okay. All right we will ask. We'll get into the landscaping question. And again, to me, I'll give my opinion on it. You know, if you drive down, downtown on Kansas Avenue, it looks pretty doggone good to me on landscaping, but Dave's the expert. Maybe he can do something better. I know he can do something a heck of a lot better than what we have, a street to the west, that Ethan Jackson mess. I just still question the money spent there. Oh, you I mean think that's the, natural,
5: what have, the huh? natural drainage?
2: Yeah, and you know, they've run that street as far as eliminating, how many parking stalls did we eliminate on Jackson to turn that into a block and a half of weeds? You yeah, know, they call it natural and natural setting or something. I don't know. Sure. It, to me, it just looks like hell. But again, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll get Dave's perspective on that. But that's what happens, I think, when you have politicians coming in and basically saying, okay... We're going to be in charge of remodeling. <laughs> you end up with an Ethan Jackson fiasco.
5: Well, one of the things that, that I uh, uh, deplore, or disagree with, was the taking off of center parking. I thought center parking was good on Kansas Avenue. Mm-hmm. And um, it was uh, partly it was because that's what, the way we did it in uh, Fort Collins. And it worked very, very well in terms of making it easy for people to get to shops stores and so on and so forth and um, generated a lot, a lot of uh, activity and that's what you need you know you need a lot of activity
2: well john if parking's a problem wouldn't it make more sense rather than screwing around with tearing up kansas avenue again is to buy a parking garage let's buy one of these parking garages from an entrepreneur downtown and let's create free parking if yes. parking's the issue why don't we spend this money rather than you know tearing up the street? Why don't we buy a couple of parking garages and let's give free parking?
5: city built two parking garages in the past 10 years, Jim. One oh. on... on, on um,
2: but we're charging.
5: Eight. Are we charging? Oh, I assume we're charging. I assume they still are. At uh, ninth Well, you know, where you were with uh, uh, KMAJ. All right, the, but
2: why are we charging for parking? Why not? If that's the issue, if that's the thing that's holding... Uh, Topekans back from coming to downtown Topeka he is paying for parking. Rather yeah. than spending $10 million, you know, uh, with a new st- st- uh, streetscape sure. in downtown Topeka, let's spend that $10 million and give free parking to anybody, any and all that want to come.
5: I don't know that parking is, is any, any, in any way a problem down there at the moment. I think pro- probably you can get close enough to any business that you want to go in aside from maybe from 12 to 1 o'clock when the restaurants are busy, uh, just about any time. I don't think that's a particular problem. I may be wrong. In downtown Topeka, people probably track that more more better than I do and uh, could tell you more. I don't know.
2: Well, John, we are out of time, my friend. If I counted correctly... During the course of this past hour, there were seven times, seven times, where John Arnold folks said, "Jim, you're right."
5: Well, it's
2: seven good.
5: times. You, you gotta excuse me. I've got yeah. a bad head cold, so <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm not thinking clearly.
2: See you next Friday. <laughs> Thanks. Bye bye. John Arnold, coming up Monday on the show, folks. Don't forget that uh, we've got Tim Richard coming in at eight, and then at uh, 845, Peter Van Curen from Manhattan. We're going to be talking about the Manhattan Regional Airport. And uh, let's find out what they're doing that's right. Because, boy, are they ever doing it right. My, 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 this is an airport that is on the move. Dave Jackson on deck. Stay tuned. More to come.
7: CJOnline.com has been upgraded and it's an entirely new way for you to experience your community.
8: More than ever, CJOnline.com has what you need when you need it.
7: As your morning starts, CJOnline.com is updated with overnight news, weather, and the morning buzz.
8: Throughout the day, they bring you to
7: recap the day in news and sports and feature their local bloggers.
8: Experience local news and
7: sports at CJOnline.com. Your 24-7 Northeast Kansas News Connection. Topeka Collegiate, Topeka's
9: only independent school, treats every child as gifted. Each student is encouraged to excel in a caring, small-class learning environment guided by humanitarian principles. At Topeka Collegiate, children fall in love with learning. Enrollment is limited. Call 228-0490 or visit our website at topekacollegiate.org. Topeka Collegiate School, educating children for life.
1: Excuse me, why are you saving those old eyeglasses? You know the ones, stuck away in the desk drawer, haven't been worn in years. Yeah, those. You should donate them to your local Lions Club. Lions Clubs have been collecting used eyeglasses for years. They'll take your old eyeglasses and recycle them for someone in need of proper eyewear. Call your local Lions Club for information on where you can donate your old eyeglasses. Lions Clubs International. We serve. Hi,
10: I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the Internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. Breastcancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer.
6: We're back with Jim Cates at cJonline.com your source for live internet news opinion interviews and conversation in Topeka here's Jim
2: Okie okay, dokie. we are back uh, coming up next Friday well we don't have a guest yet we're uh, Karen Tyson's going to be joining us at some point in time she's uh, been a longtime friend of mine her. Father, our father-in-law, served in the state senate, I believe, with you, Dave Jackson. Yes. Bob Tyson, he was there when you were.
0: Man, is this loud.
2: Well, it's just uh, a, <laughs> what number are you on? I don't know. Well, the number's right there. I can't read it without what? my question.
0: One? El numero? You no?
2: can just adjust that Right, how's that? Is hey, that better? much better, I think. All if right.
0: you can hear me, that's all right.
2: Okay. Yeah, that doesn't affect anything but you. All right. coming
0: into your... Your
2: headphones. So All right. That good. is your adjustment right okay. there. We're good. Now, Karen Tyson was just elected right. to the legislature and uh, coming in as a freshman, and I just wanted to get her perspective, you know, from a newly elected freshman, what they're thinking and the whole thought process of what they're going to accomplish when they get uh, to the Dome. Her, this, I mean, this, was this was her a...
0: second time to try for this office. Oh, really? Yeah, she know... was beat four years ago.
5: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh.
0: So, second time's a charm. Okay. Yeah, I did not know that. Uh huh. Yeah, nice gal. Yeah, nice gal. So, and uh, her dad, I just can't can't say enough of. For he was just a great guy. He came in as an inherent of term limits and respected his promise and stepped out. He and uh, and uh, the guy from uh, O
2: Oh, uh, Ed Pew. Ed Pew. Ed Pew. Mm-hmm. Two
0: really good legislators, really fiscally conservative, really strong, uh, and uh, you know, uh, I I, hate to, I hated to see them leave, but uh, but they did, and uh, yeah, we
2: lost a couple of a
0: couple of goodies. Mm-hmm.
2: Now replacing Tyson and Pew, uh, trying to think. Trying to, to remember who placed replaced both of them.
0: Well, uh, Dennis Pyle replaced Ed Pugh. Oh, that's right.
2: Okay, Dennis has certainly proven to be a strong fiscal conservative. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: yes. And a moderate Republican replaced him.
2: Uh, that's not Unbarger.
0: No, huh? Unbarger's one district south. Yeah, but a moderate true. Republican replaced him first, and and I guess uh, whether he's replaced uh, Tyson, uh, Karen lost uh, the primary in that race.
2: Now well,
0: I'll
2: have to look it up later. Yeah. What well, uh? you so talk uh, about in terms of lawn and garden
0: issues. So the reason Tyson or Tyson was elected was because somebody stepped out of that seat. Who stepped out of that seat? I'm trying to think who Okay. That, well, we'll get to it. Who
2: would have been there when I was?
0: Now I have uh, to. Right. I don't. Not not when you were there. Well, it was when uh, Tyson the Tysons the one that came back after in after Tyson. Then was there six years, five and a half years, or whatever, and then stepped out of the seat. That's why Tyson's seat is open. You said yeah. she's she's going to be in the Senate, right? No. Oh. No,
2: she's going to be in the House.
0: Oh, all right. So somebody's still in that seat. Yeah. Yeah. Who is it? We'll think of it. We'll think
2: of it. It'll come to us. It'll come to us. Lots to talk about uh, in terms of lawn and garden s- issues, but. Something John Arnold and I were talking about, because we always start this show talking about what's happening on the local scene. A couple of issues. I want your, I want your input, because I must be wrong on this, which is not unusual for me. Bob Archer and I appear to be standing alone on the fact that the TMTA coming into the city as a separate department is a bad idea. Really I bad. Think it's
0: really a bad idea. idea. Why? I think <laughs> it's a great idea. It's awful. Just awful.
2: You've got people serving on this TMT uh, Yeah, well, I understand all that. that are I, we totally absorbed and expanded bus service. True. Could give a rat's foo-foo about spending. Right. They are just passionate about bus service.
0: I understand. Same way with uh, um, library. Library. Same thing. Even worse. Library is even worse. Uh, so but why here's would we here's want
2: to eliminate that.
0: But wait, you do, but the the way that you want to eliminate it is entirely different than what you want to see and I'll tell you why and I've seen it right here in person the Topeka Housing Authority goes back and in 19 it was 71 or 72 the city said hey this will be a, we'll take this over they're having a bit of a squabble there and we're tired of the we're tired of the infighting and all that kind of stuff and uh, we're going to take this over the operation of that Mm-hmm. And everybody will become a city employee and everything else. It quickly became one of the worst housing authorities in four states. In the whole Region 7 of HUD, it was it was at the bottom in terms of performance. Uh, vacancies were way up. They had terrible people under Lana Balca and Larry Wilson. It was just awful. And getting anything changed in, in there had to go through this city structure. Plus, you had all these employees that were under the city service, all that kind of stuff. There was no controls, absolutely no controls. And so it became even worse than our street department after the the commission and the street commission thing changed. Now we've got a street department that's full of people that don't work, supervisors that don't do anything. And I mean, I can't uh, spend more money every year and don't take care of the streets to the extent that we had to have a, a, a special tax for that. Same thing would happen with uh, TMTAA or whatever they're called, MTAA, Metropolitan Transit. Uh, TMTA. TMTA. This one, yeah. And MT, MTAA uh, no, was good, good because that's the Metropolitan Airport. They had Dave. They had Dave. Uh, Chris uh, Strimming. Mm-hmm. Dave Strimming there for years, and he prided himself in in re- keeping expenditures in. Check and lowering, lowering is mill levy every year, and it was. But you don't get executive directors to do that very often. The same as you don't get school principals. I mean, school superintendents that want to lower the tax. They're always this: give me more, give me more, give me more. Now, I've I've told you the problem. Now here's the fix. The fix is that the city council takes some responsibility uh, on that board. Number one, you can cut it to three to five members. That's plenty on an a TMTA board. Mm-hmm. It's plenty on a library board. We don't need all of these people serving on a non-paid board that are, are cheerleaders for what they're doing. Then they 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 tell them at the budget process, you're going to have to work with this within this many mill levies. If you present us a budget with a dime more on your mill levy, we're not participating. You find a way to operate within that. They should. The city should be doing that. If it means changing the charter of the library, especially the library, that's become ungodly expensive. And what do we get for it out north? We get a bus out there once a week at Kmart, and a bus maybe once a week out at Forty Sixth and Highway Seventy Five. And we're paying ten mills, eleven mills for that. Incredible. So I mean, but that's the fix. I mean, it's really. If you sit back and look at the, the total organizational structure, that's the way you fix it. The, the city should, mm-hmm. should be saying, all right, uh, before uh, they should be doing zero-based budgeting, making them present a zero-based budget to them, uh, and then working from that budget from there. That's how we saved. That's how we reduced expenses 20% in Soldier Township when I was on the board. That's how we're doing the same thing with the North Topeka Drainage District right now. Uh, these are just small entities. You know, that Soldier Township's a $2 million budget. North Topeka Drainage District's a quarter of a million dollar budget. Not big, but you still have to go through that exercise. So anyway, sorry saying. to sound pedantic, but uh, that's the way it goes. I'm saying that uh, becoming part of a larger organization is not the way to go. But take okay. a little more control, take a little more responsibility in the budget, and make them put their feet to the fire. If they want, if they want more money, then they raise rates, or they have a they have a, a, a bake sale. I don't care what they do, but uh, but they have to raise the money. If they think that that's insufficient, they get the money some out, some other way.
2: Well, apparently you're right. You're certainly in the mainstream of thought, I think, Dave Jackson, because again,
0: well, I don't know whether what report. why the others are opposed to it, but they maybe see the whole situation the way I do. You cannot trust large government. To become larger and become more efficient. Doesn't happen, Jim. You should know that of all people. Of all people. But I'm looking, I guess (laughs) I'm
2: still looking at the fact, and you mentioned it, that the people that are serving on the board, whether it's three members, five members, seven members, nine members, they're all going to be passionately in support of bus service.
0: Not a problem. All they have to know is that there's limits. Fiscal
2: responsibility is secondary to everybody that's serving on that board. Probably. Yeah. It's not a concern, or not a major concern of any of theirs.
0: Nope. So. That's that's all part of the way that that board's been made up and the lack of control that's been taken. Um, so, I mean, you fix the other things rather than rather than bring it into the city, which will do an absolute worst job of running anything.
4: Okay.
0: Can you, na- can you name one thing that the city's doing well right now?
2: Oh, I'm sure we could. Let's um, think. Uh-huh. The
0: streets? No... The zoo may be better now. Uh,
2: you got to give Dennis Taylor some credit, I yeah. think. You know, Dennis has eliminated several positions for the city, so I'll give Dennis some credit as far as mm-hmm. streamlining city production somewhat. Less staff, mm-hmm. same results. So we're doing that correctly.
0: But the accounting department, millions and millions of dollars on new, new stuff that they could have gone with the city. The parks department? County does a better job for less money, so I mean it goes on and on. The county sheriff's department better than the city for less money. Fire department, well, you know that they're they're somewhat hamstrung. But I, my my perspective would be that the fire department ought to be uh, privately contracted, like they do in Overland Park. Point well taken. Anyway,
2: and we'll talk to, uh, Tim Richer about this Monday too, because uh, you've got some good points, and that makes that makes some sense. I'm following your line of uh, logic, I guess I'm surprised that Bob Archer, because, again, I think Bob is truly the fiscal conservative on our city council. I've yep. got a lot of respect for Bob. So when I heard that Bob was in favor of this, mm-hmm. I was thinking, well, you know, it makes sense to me because... You've slid
0: over the, uh, into the trust big government. You cannot do that. can't yeah. make that switch.
2: Well, you, got you made some good points. Downtown yeah. Topeka, John Arnold wanted me to ask you. Yeah, uh, I heard that. Yeah, landscaping. Uh-huh. Uh, and again, through my eyes, I don't think downtown Topeka looks shop worn. I don't think it looks ugly. Uh, the only challenge we have down there are empty storefronts. But Basically. other than that, I think downtown Topeka looks good.
0: It does. There's but some what do you do different? Well, mm-hmm. the parts that look bad are the city's responsibility anyway. There's, some, there's broken curbs down there, the streets uh, need to be oversurfaced again. Uh, I mean, they those look bad. There's there's stress cracks all through there. That's the only part that looks bad. If they wanted to uh, do some cleanup they could go through and power wash the bricks that that make the crossings and all that to make those look sharp again instead of black with tire rubber. Those things could be done. It's some simple maintenance that needs to be done in terms of making it pop. If if landscape was a, not such a limited factor and if the city weren't, weren't doing it instead of some private contractor they would do it like they do in other towns, and that's the spe- spectacular annual hanging baskets that they put in other towns off of those, mm-hmm. off of in in the center island and along the streets. Um, they, if you go anywhere, Chicago, uh, um, uh, 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 Minneapolis, Rochester, Minnesota, where you, and you just uh, Omaha. They've got these great big beautiful hanging baskets out there that just make downtown pop. Uh, and then it if when the annuals are done, they 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 do seasonal changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do pansies or mums for the fall in those same baskets. Make it look good in the winter. Uh, some kind of a an evergreen or even a uh, um, um something with with uh, winter color. Mm-hmm. And that would that would be it. You could probably do all of that on an annual budget of, oh, dollars $20, Once yeah. you once you bought the baskets and stuff. It wouldn't be much. It wouldn't take much, but you could sure make it pop.
2: What would you do on Ethan Jackson? You know, and I've been critical of uh, that mess since day one. And that's the natural grass setting. Mm-hmm. To me it just looks like a weed patch.
0: Right. Mark Green was in charge when that uh, was all planned and everything. He was the, the chief of the stormwater pollution control. Big firm believer in these in these uh um, natural collections for stormwater runoff. The city's under an national pollutant discharge affluent um uh, whatever, it's N P D E S or the is the acronym for, na- uh, for that to clean the water up before it reaches a river, and this is this is their effort to do that down through there. The choice of plants was was uh, pathetic, in my view, your view as well, because it looks like a wheat patch, and they planted that. And um, uh, there's other things that would have been a whole lot prettier, that would have done the jo- job just as well, if they were going to do that. Now. Um, like you said, we've given up parking. Fifty percent of the parking along that street. I don't know how necessary that parking was, but it, uh, certainly you'd, uh, they tried. They replaced it with parking garages, I guess, as John pointed out. Uh, but you know, parking garages enti- require a whole lot more time and effort to get in and get out of than pull in back out parking places along the street. So um, I guess had I been doing it. My thought would have been put it down the middle of the street to gather that water and gather that affluent and have your parking on the sides. My, that's the way I would have designed it instead of giving up all of that. See, that was a Makes sense. that is a three or four lane street all mm-hmm. the way. So you'd you'd have your parking, you'd have a lane of traffic going that direction. You could have like they're going to do in Oklahoma City. They're turning all their one way streets into Two-way streets. The other uh, Jackson could just—that is Jackson, right? Mm-hmm. Could have just as well flowed uh, north mm-hmm. to south as well. It didn't. Doesn't have to be a big uh, one-way street going south. Not sure. Uh, I'm not a traffic planner or city planner or anything else. But but even still, that planner could have gone down through the middle of the street.
2: Makes sense. Let's take a break on that thought.
0: Yeah, Get to business then. All right. uh, I, I really enjoy this part of the show.
2: Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center. Stay tuned.
0: Jackson's Greenhouse, your plant
8: shopping center. Let Jackson put a big smile on your home. Landscape planning and design, we listen and we take the time. We're professionals and we're out to make it known. We're your plant shopping center all the way. Jackson's Greenhouse has what you need today. Residential or commercial, we're at your service. Landscape to lawn supplies that you like best. From roses, flowers, shrubs, and trees to everything your garden needs. Jackson says, just come in, be our guest. Jackson's Greenhouse, your lawn and garden place. We're your plant shopping center all the way. At Jackson's Greenhouse, we're out to make your day.
10: Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer, too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the Internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. Breastcancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer.
11: Eyewear Unique is a fun, upscale optical shop located in Topeka. They may be in Mid-America, but their frame selection is world-class. The expert staff will help you into your first really awesome pair of high-quality eyewear. Their designer frame selection will hold its own against the finest shops in New York or L.A. Eyewear Unique is not just another optical shop. They are truly new and different. They are not interested in selling you a pair of glasses. They are interested in selling you eyeglasses for the rest of your life. Your face is a work of art, and it deserves a great frame. Eyewear Unique offers top-of-the-line designer frames with names like Etnia, Barcelona, Lunor, Robert Mark, L.A. Eyewear, Double Bevel's Tax, Oliver Peoples, Ray-Ban, and Oakley, just to name a few. The frames run from stylish and affordable $90 eyewear to the extraordinary Fossa Frost line located at 4008 Southwest Huntoon Street in Topeka, or visit them on the web at eyewearuniquetopeka.com. Take your face to the next level. Eyewear unique. Eyewear for life.
12: This is Risa with Lower Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. We are not just your heating and air conditioning experts. We also can take care of any of your plumbing needs, including sewers and backflow preventers. So call us now at 357-5123.
6: Welcome back to Jim Cates at cjonline.com. Our phone lines are now open at 295-1150 or email Jim at jim.cates at cjonline.com. Here's Jim.
2: Okay, hey, a special thanks to one of your good friends, Dave Jackson, Terrence Stewart. Um, Terrence made my job a whole lot easier because I've been railing on our MTAA for years on the show why we can't get passenger air service in and out of Topeka. So at any rate, to make a long story short, we've got the uh, director of the Manhattan Regional Airport that's going to be joining us on the show Monday. Hey, great. And, yeah, we're going to talk about what's going on in Manhattan that's right and mm-hmm. what they're doing that we might pick up some ideas. So. Terence made my job a whole lot easier. He uh, ran down the guy's name, phone number, contact number, the whole nine yards. So it was simply uh, just a phone call or two, and we've got him coming on Monday morning. So
0: by telephone, yeah, mm-hmm.
2: going to be joining us by phone. But I think it's going to be well, it's going to be a productive 45 minutes with him. Wouldn't it out. be
0: exciting to be able to jump a plane once a day down to Dallas, once a day into Chicago, once a day into Denver? Now, Would Denver's that be-
2: coming. That's not there yet. But they do have, uh, Dallas is on board three days, three times a day. Chicago's coming on board next Thursday for Yo, you're talking about Manhattan, but i mean mm-hmm. meaning from Topeka. Oh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. What's yeah. up with that? Yeah, you know, why couldn't we have done this? I don't know. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's just there's got to be a reason, so we're going to get into all that money. I'm really looking forward to this. I am, and money.
0: I don't know uh, what kind of subsidies they're getting from the federal government for that. There are attached federal subsidies depending on population and all these other kinds of things. Of course, Manhattan has got a lot of people flying in and out on the state dime, no question about it. And, uh, of course, fares don't mean that much to them. If the fares are higher, so what the taxpayers paying it? you got to look at some of that other stuff. These would be questions that you'd be, you should be asking here. Sure. Well, fares of, are higher. Yeah. But living in Topeka, but who's paying them? Mm-hmm. You and I probably. Yeah. You and I probably. But they'd be paying the same fares here in Topeka, wouldn't they? State mm-hmm. employees, you mean? Yeah. Well, sure.
4: Yeah.
0: State so employees. We could be doing the same thing, Manhattan. Except doing. that the Manhattan, of course, has got a college town. The, the state employee salary levels over there about half again more. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then our. you know, than the workaday people we have over here. And, Dave, I realize
2: NBAS coming into Manhattan, I realize we've got Fort Riley. you know, that's good for a lot of passengers. Sure. But my point is, if Topeka would have aggressively gone after these five flights a day to Dallas and Chicago, then somebody that had to fly out of Fort Riley, they're going to drive to Topeka. They're not going to drive through Topeka to go to KCI. They're coming to Topeka.
12: Sure. No
2: doubt about it. We could have had the same... Passenger load that Manhattan's getting, mm-hmm. same passenger load.
0: Mm-hmm. So not being on so one of those scary little airplanes.
2: Yeah, now these aren't the scary. No, loads. I know it. Yeah, They're nice. Yeah, these are the seventy-five uh, passenger loads. I think something
0: mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm.
2: exciting stuff. This is going to be. Uh, this is going to be good.
0: Well, so hopefully, hopefully, you'll learn something there. But I hope so. I hope but so. But they ought to. They ought to know the demographic of their passenger. Yeah. I would hope. Yeah. And I'll be interested to see who's flying.
2: Yeah, I will too. And i i want to follow the money. You know, mm-hmm. you and I have both been involved politically. To get to the story behind the story, you always have to follow the money. And
0: no uh, doubt about it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and that's where I want to go with uh, Peter Van Kuren when he comes on. Mm-hmm. Just how much taxpayer money was uh, at risk here
0: mm-hmm. to attract this type of service? And how much federal money is coming with that kind of service? Yeah, good point.
2: Yeah. It's going to be fun. That's coming up Monday. Mm-hmm.
0: Great. Today,
2: lawn and garden issues. Yep. Yes, indeed. Not going to be planting today. Uh-uh,
0: uh-uh, Well, our guys are. Too late to seed. Our guys are planting today. Are they? Trees, yeah. yeah. we have going to plant trees today. you got them working in the rain, huh? They won't melt. <laughs> but this is not a day to toss some
2: seed out on the yard. We're, uh, we're into this... 45-day period to where you don't want to overseed, correct? Right.
0: Okay. I try to dissuade people from doing that.
2: All right. Don't go out and overseed today. Why?
0: Because it may come up. And if it does, then it will most likely get frozen back because there's not time enough for it to develop a really good root system and a strong and a strong blade, leaf blade, between the time now and when it does get cold and the ground freezes. So uh, that plant is at risk. Um if it comes up. That's why we tell you to wait until the first of December and take a look then if temperatures are below um, below 50, uh, and by that I mean soil temperatures, then the grass will just be there and, and work its way into the soil with the freeze-thaw cycle and then come up when it does get warm without being at risk uh, of having the ground frozen and having it frozen off right there at the base. Okay. So that's why.
2: So again, folks, you can seed. And two weeks down the road, you might see grass coming up, but that's not a good thing. That's it, a real bad thing.
0: It may be a bad thing depending on our weather, but yeah, you're right, because
2: now starting uh, overseeding mid-December. Let's run through this again because I was asked uh, over the weekend by somebody that cut about five minutes of the show. Uh-huh. And really, yeah, the whole overseeding. Mm-hmm. Start in mid-December. Typically.
0: Decenth, Typically, the first of December is safe, but it, it can be. Uh, but again, you look at that. Uh, you look at your ten-day forecast uh, on the first of December, and if we're going to have a warm season, a warm spell come through where temperatures are going to average average above fifty degrees, then you better not do it and wait till mid-December. So yes, you're safer mid-December than you are first of December.
2: Through
5: from that point on.
0: From that point on, you're fine. Just get it down. I like putting it out. Some people say throw it on the snow. I like throwing it under, uh, ahead of the, right ahead of the snow and have that snow melted into the ground. Uh, either way, it works.
2: And it doesn't make any difference whether you do it December the 15th or March the 15th, for that matter. It's the right. same results. Right, same it's results. It's not going to change anything. One iota, whenever you decide to throw the seed out there, Right. It's, the results are going to be the same during that 90-day period. Whenever you want to do it, do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. For the, for the, in terms of what the seed's going to do, the germination and all that process.
2: Does it make any difference whether you put weed killer down in late November because we're talking about loam for all seasons? What if you just...
0: If you put down the fertilome for all seasons, you're done. You can't seed again until next September because fertilome for all seasons has a nine-month efficacy. Lots of people bring coming in and, and doing that because they had such a. They want to. Uh, I mean, the fertilome for all seasons is a little more expensive than the winterizer, a little more expensive than the crabgrass preventer by itself. But when you combine the two together, it's way less expensive, and you can do that now. But you can't plant. But you, you can't, when you're done you done planting when you, yeah, when, with fertilome for all seasons. You're, you're, what if you
2: need to do both? What if you've got weeds and. A lot of bare grass. What's
0: well? You, you're than? gonna you're gonna overseed then, <coughs> and then uh, we have a product called Dimension that will that you can use late in the spring, uh, first of May, that will do the same thing for crabgrass and weeds. Uh, well, Dimension's kind of the chemical name, but it's Fertileum. Fertileum. I can't remember lawn and weed, crabgrass and weed preventer. Mm -hmm. And you can buy that either with or without food, put it down uh, at that time, and uh, take care of your weeds. So the process would be, if you've got blank spaces, let's take care of those now while we still can, and then we'll address the weeds in the spring with new products, different chemistries. And that's easy easy enough to do. Okay. Okay. So
2: the priority if you've got dead spots, which we do in our yard. In August, it's the first year we've ever had that. Mm-hmm. Well, we've had a lot of dead spots in our yard. got hot, didn't it? It did get hot. And again, we don't water our
0: yard. Mm-mm.
2: We let nature take care of that, so we don't water. And as a result,
0: if there was no shade... They don't let you pump out of the lake, do they, to water?
2: No. No. That's that's a no-no. That's prohibited. Figured so, it was. <laughs> yeah. you got let you got to let Mother Nature take care of that. So we didn't, and in our backyard especially, probably... 15%, 10 to 15% of a backyard was affected mm-hmm. or
0: it's just dead, mm-hmm. you know, just
2: dead grass spots. Well, that's concerning. So, yeah. mm-hmm. so that we need to take care. Probably of. Probably had
0: some brown patch and then got got completely roasted then after it was weak, weakened by the brown patch. Yeah. And
2: it got completely roasted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So overseeding this winter that's going to take care of that. So, sure.
0: Yeah. yeah, you'll be in good shape with yeah. the ryegrass. Yep.
2: That's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So we've got some tri-power. By the way, do you carry that 12 months out of the year? Sure. I've got a little. I'm going to have to get more. We have it always. So just any time, come out in January, Mm -hmm. you can pick up tri-power, grass seed. Right. It'll be right there. Okay. Which we need to do. We need to get a little more. I just want to come out and get it in that way. I've got it. I'm ready to go.
0: Yeah, when the weather, uh, you get a good forecast ahead of the snow or something, you can get out there and get it on. Yeah, that's what I want to do. we'll have the birds picking it up. See, that first snowflake, you know,
2: in December, that's exactly what I want to do. And you hit the nail on the head, that's one of the reasons I want to do it, because if it's on the snow, that grass seed, I would think that's going to be a tremendous lure for...
0: Your ducks or your geese or whatever you got. Which do you have, ducks or geese? Well, we've got both, sure, okay. but
2: not as many geese. Uh, they're starting to migrate. yeah, yeah. Or are, they,
0: or are they just...
2: We just didn't have as many geese this year. I'll for be darned. Some yeah. Hmm. And we've got a few ducks that fly in and out, but mm-hmm. uh, they're not really a problem. But, again, I just don't want to have that temptation laying on top of the snow.
0: No, right. Yeah,
2: to where I'm feeding.
0: The there ducks are, res- right, aggressive, so. or any other bird that might be out there.
2: Yeah, so it makes more sense to catch it before the snow, mm-hmm. for me, for that very reason. Right. Yep. It is time for a break.
0: It is. You're right.
2: Jim.Kate's at CJOnline.com. If you've got a question or a comment, Dave Jackson's here, as he is each and every Friday. Stay tuned.
0: Nothing's happening, Jim.
4: Jackson's Greenhouse, your
8: plant shopping center. Let Jackson put a big smile on your home. Landscape planning and design, we listen and we take the time. We're professionals and we're out to make it known. We're your plant shopping center all the way. Jackson's Greenhouse has what you need today. Residential or commercial, we're at your service. Landscape to lawn supplies that you like best. From roses, flowers, shrubs and trees to everything your garden needs. Jackson says just come in, be our guest. Jackson's Greenhouse, your lawn and garden place. We're your plant shopping center all the way. At Jackson's Greenhouse, we're out to make your day.
10: Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer, too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org a special place on the internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. Breastcancer.org is the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer.
11: Eyewear Unique is a fun, upscale optical shop located in Topeka. They may be in Mid-America, but their frame selection is world-class. The expert staff will help you into your first really awesome pair of high-quality eyewear. Their designer frame selection will hold its own against the finest shops in New York or L.A. Eyewear Unique is not just another optical shop. They are truly new and different. They are not interested in selling you a pair of glasses. They are interested in selling you eyeglasses for the rest of your life. Your face is a work of art, and it deserves a great frame. Eyewear Unique offers Top-of-the-line designer frames with names like Etnia, Barcelona, Lenore, Robert Mark, L.A. Eyeworks, Bevel Specs, Foydenhaus, Oliver Peoples, Ray-Ban, and Oakley, just to name a few. The frames run from stylish and affordable $90 eyewear to the extraordinary Fossa line. Located at 4008 Southwest Huntoon Street in Topeka, or visit them on the web at eyewearuniquetopeka.com. Change your face to the next level. Eyewear unique. Eyewear for life.
12: This is Risa with Lower Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. We are not just your heating and air conditioning experts. We also can take care of any of your plumbing needs, including sewers and backflow preventers. So call us now at 357-5123.
6: Welcome back to Jim Cates at cjonline.com. Our phone lines are now open at 295-1150 or email Jim at jim.cates at cjonline.com. Here's Jim.
2: Okay, we're back with Dave Jackson, Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center, 232-3416, folks. A number you might want to put on your refrigerator if that's where you put your important phone numbers because that way if you ever have a lawn and garden question come up, uh, you've got immediate access to somebody, some an expert that knows the answer. 232-3416, that is the number for Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center, 1933 Lower Silver Lake Road. Now, uh, this summer, this spring, summer, and fall, you had a location at 61st and Fairlawn. It will be reopening in the spring, but during the winter months, uh, everything is back at the original Jackson's location.
0: We're moving it back as we speak. Yeah. Okay. Have to do it. The barn's not heated, and uh, uh, just not quite enough traffic out there to to uh, uh, we couldn't sell our poinsettias or anything else like that, plants, you know, all of that stuff that people want in the winter. Would require a greenhouse, which we have not set up for the reasons that we're uh, still addressing a zoning issue. So that's where we're at at this point. March first would be our target opening date. Okay. Whether it's there or somewhere else, we just we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. So March
4: the first. <laughs> yeah. March
2: I was, the first. Okay. Uh, and again, great location. I'm glad glad you're out there. It's uh, certainly was proven to be. Great for me. So close to home. I like that.
0: Did you go? Well, good. Yes, Got indeed. a chance to make friends with Adam, I guess, and or if you yeah. went out on the weekend, then you would uh, talk to Lynn and uh, Cindy. Yeah. Or Cindy. Or, or, um, what's his name that worked at Hefner's? Uh, uh, yeah, he was out there on a regular
2: basis. Yeah. yeah good guy. Yeah. Knowledgeable, Jewish mm-hmm, stuff. Jewish mm-hmm. stuff.
0: Yeah, been doing it a long time.
2: Well, we talked about overseeding. Uh, And again, folks, mid-December, good time to look at that, and we've been through the lawn care, weed care. For those of us that had a crabgrass problem, which we did last summer, Mm -hmm. big time, as everybody did, I think, most people, uh, look at crabgrass preventer next May, you say, early May? If
0: you're going to overseed, yeah.
2: (coughs) Which we're going to overseed.
0: Yeah, so. so we'll do that late April, early May. Late yeah. April, early May. Yeah, well, that product actually will kill crabgrass that has germinated so uh, and prevent crabgrass in the rest of the summer as well. That'll take care of it, then. And pre- prevent quite a number of broadleaf weeds that uh, will have come up. Okay. So then you can take care of that then. Do that as
2: early down. as next, uh,
0: end of April, then.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay.
0: Mid-April, end of April, doesn't matter. It kind of depends on um, what kind of weather we're experiencing, whether you're uh, having a lot of rain. Do
2: you want a lot of rain when you put that down? I guess you would, wouldn't you?
0: Well, uh, you would, except that you don't want to make tracks in your lawn. It kind of depends on how firm your lawn is. But anyhow, that's the way to do it. Winterizer is what they should be doing now. If they haven't done it yet, we need to winterize the lawns. Our guys went out and took care of that for the people that are on our list last week. If uh, you need us to do it, Uh, Give us a call and we'll put you on the next list. Um, Sometime in November, month of November, is the perfect time to winterize a cool season lawn. So uh, that uh, is what should be going on now if you haven't done that already. It's really important. What that does is prevents, uh, it gets those nutrients to your uh, grass plant, into the root, into the crown. So that you get earlier green up next spring, your lawn will be greener earlier with less top growth than if you wait and do it next spring. And, of course, top growth is always a concern of people when they have people coming in saying they have having to mow their lawn every three or four days in the spring. Yeah. Um, well, we can we can deal with that if they put their winterizer on now instead of waiting until spring. We've got products in the spring to control weeds or crabgrass. That have no fertilizer in them. So, I mean, uh, we have all the Fertilome has all the choices that you need for a lawn, uh, and in a better, better pricing and better um, concentration of chemical, just a better product all around than Scotts.
2: When we're talking about fertilizing in the spring, (coughs) how many people bring in samples, uh, soil samples? How many should? Well, in other words, for the typical lawn. You fertilize because you have a shortage of fill in the blank
0: nitrogen, of okay. course. All right. Grass uses more nitrogen than anything else. Phosphorus is once you put your lawn on. Our soils here in Kansas, uh, 99% of them have plenty of phosphorus and potash is really not uh, is in, in a single-digit number that you'll need to add every year. It's nitrogen that grass needs and uses. The reason they we we do soil sample. I'll do hundreds of soil samples in the spring uh, for pH if lawns aren't looking good or the grass seems to just fade away it's usually the pH that's a problem most of the time it's because pH has gotten too low because of a, a, uh, uh, a, a oak tree or a big pine tree or a spruce or a walnut hickory, something like that the pH drops below 6 and your grass is going to have some trouble dealing with that Sometimes it gets too high just because you're in one of those areas. Now, walnuts,
2: you said, poisonous,
0: poisons the soil mm-hmm. to start with. Right, for sure. Grass is going to struggle there. It's not so much that, um, uh, but they also, uh, if the walnuts are left to deteriorate there on the soil, then the pH is going to drop like a shot because of the tannins that are in the walnut skins. Anyway. What
2: about pine trees that drop needles? You know, you can't grow anything. I always thought there was probably something in that pine needle, uh, some chemical in that pine needle that was precluding grass from growing. Or is it just simply a fact that the pine needle
0: is covering up any potential growth? Which one, or is it a combination? Combination. Most the pine needles will acidify the soil. Pine uh, are thick enough, usually at the top, that uh, you can't get enough sun in under them. And, of course, the pine needles are uh, uh, make a really good blanket. As a matter of fact, we saw, sell pine straw mulch for those people that really like it for weed prevention. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we sell, I mean, we've got it all there. Pine straw bales, if folks want it. Huh. What can you plant under a pine
2: tree with some degree of success?
0: Um, I'll tell you what. The, uh, uh, if you're just wanting ground cover, the uh, Juga does pretty good. It likes an acidic soil. And so you can do uh, those. You can plant um, uh, some ferns. We'll like it. We'll do okay. As far as traditional grasses. Oh, grass?
2: Rescue, rye.
0: Forget it. Nothing. I mean, really it's no
2: n- traditional grass that's going to do well
5: regardless.
0: I mean, well, the only way that's going to do well regardless is if you get that, that tree... Pruned up about ten feet, so that the the sun, (laughs) so that the sun will come in under it, Mm -hmm. and then monitor your pH to make sure that doesn't drop below six point zero. And then I've seen trees uh, in golf courses in places where they've actually grown grass right up under, but they're pruned up way up high. Yeah. So
2: mm, there's no magic. Magic grass that's going to grow under a pine tree without. Right. Again, printing the tree pretty high and.
0: Yeah, despite what you see on. Stars that. have
2: to be aligned. pretty much. <laughs> yeah, <and> exactly. <laughs> so there the has thing.
0: to be certain certain things in place before. So just
2: breaking all the pine leaves, keeping the pine leaves out. That's not going to do it.
0: No, not without Our pine sun, needles. Not, I said pine, not, leaves, pine needles. Well, the needle is the leaf, but that's correct. Nothing's going to happen uh, without sunlight. Six hours. And that's what it's going to take. And to do that, you're going to have to prune it up about 10 feet to get six hours of sun under one.
2: We need to take a break. When we come back, we need to talk about uh, specials. we got a bunch
0: of them, new ones this week, too. Let's talk about that when we return.
2: Stay tuned, folks.
8: Jackson's Greenhouse, your plant shopping center. Let Jackson put a big smile on your home. Landscape planning and design, we listen and we take the time. We're professionals and we're out to make it known. We're your plant shopping center all the way. Jackson's Greenhouse has what you need today. Residential or commercial, we're at your service. Landscape to lawn supplies that you like best. From roses, flowers, shrubs and trees, to everything your garden needs, Jackson says just come in, be our guest. Jackson's Greenhouse, your lawn and garden place, we're your plant shopping center all the way. At Jackson's Greenhouse, we're out to make your day.
10: Hi, I'm Richard Roundtree. I'm a breast cancer survivor. Yes, you heard me right. Men get breast cancer, too, and men need just as much help understanding what their doctors tell them as women do. But where do you go to get that kind of help? Go to breastcancer.org, a special place on the Internet that helps you understand the kind of cancer you have, your treatment options, and all the big words your doctor uses. Breastcancer.org is the first place to go the
11: minute you find out you have breast cancer. (laughs) Thank <laughs> Eyewear Unique is a fun, upscale optical shop located in Topeka. They may be in mid America, but their frame selection is world class. The expert staff will help you into your first really awesome pair of high quality eyewear. Their designer frame selection will hold its own against the finest shops in New York or LA. Eyewear Unique is not just another optical shop, they are truly new and different. They're not interested in selling you a pair of glasses, they're interested in selling you eyeglasses for the rest of your life. Your face is a work of art, and it deserves a great frame. Eyewear Unique offers top of the line designer frames with names like Etnia, Barcelona, Lunar, Robert Mark, LA Eyeworks, Bevel Saks, Foying House, Oliver Peoples, Ray-Ban, and Oakley, just to name a few. The frames run from stylish and affordable $90 eyewear to the extraordinary François François line, located at 4008 Southwest Huntoon Street in Topeka, or visit them on the web at eyewearuniquetopeka.com. Take your face to the next level. Eyewear unique. Eyewear for life.
12: This is Risa with Lower Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. We are not just your heating and air conditioning experts. We also can take care of any of your plumbing needs, including sewers and backflow preventers. So call us now at 357-5123.
6: Welcome back to Jim Cates at cjonline.com. Our phone lines are now open at 295-1150 or email Jim at jim.cates at cjonline.com. Here's Jim.
2: Okay, Monday morning, eight o'clock. Tim Rensher, as always, city hall and courthouse issues at eight forty-five. Peter Van Curran, he is the executive director of the Manhattan Regional Airport. That's coming up Monday, and coming up next Friday at ten. Dave Jackson will be back with us. Dave, let's talk about some of the specials this weekend at Jackson's Greenhouse and Garden Center.
0: Well, we ordered, we uh, added a bunch of new specials this week. That, uh, based on uh, the time of season and everything, it's uh, we do. Uh, a lot of people are. are uh, we do transplanting services there at the greenhouse for the plants that have come in that have gotten pot bound or root bound. We can will uh, repot them, and uh, at a very reasonable price. Matter of fact, if they buy the new pot from us uh, and buy the soil, we'll, we'll we'll waive the labor charge for that. We also make house calls. Um, we have uh, our plant maintenance person that. Uh, is around town every day on the on the road and and uh, can go out to the house if it's too big for you to move in or you don't want to drive in. Of course, there's going to be a service call involved with that, but uh, uh, she can get uh, pretty much anything replanted that you need uh, right on the spot. Our house plants are on sale, 25% off right now. If you wanted something new to bring in, just to brighten your house now that it's getting dark and dreary looking, um, statuary 33% off. Uh, for this winter, we've got uh, huge, huge inventory now. We've become probably the largest uh, uh, statuary uh, place in town over the last two or three years because we've got such a new, great supplier that uh, has great mm. pricing, and, and uh, so we're giving you 33% off uh, right now because we're getting we're going through such quantity that we're uh, our freight bill has. Uh, drop substantially.
2: On statuary, yes. by the way, since we're getting into the Christmas season, that's mm-hmm. not
0: too far uh,
2: removed now. What about if you want uh, Washburn, K-State, KU logo on something? You know, you see the post rocks and mm-hmm. what have you in front of a lot of people's homes. Right. And they've got maybe the Chiefs or K-State, KU, Washburn, whatever.
0: Yeah. Do you yeah. have those? Sure. If they, But uh, if they want, for example, for example, something a little bit special with their name on it we need to be getting those ordered now. How much you know. lead time do you need? <coughs> well, uh, I'd like to have my guy that does that for me would like to have a couple of weeks uh, because okay. he can he can get uh, uh, he can get a little bit backed up. It's a one man show, but he does a nice job with limestone uh, or post rocks or what have you uh, with any logo that you. Have and then put your name on and so many dollars a letter. Uh, and of course, those can be horizontal or, or uh, vertical, either way, vertical one. or tombstone, however you want it done. Uh, so,
2: okay, so I guess you could do this. It would be better, I'm sure, to come into Jackson's, but you could possibly do it over the phone right. with a credit card. And the whole it, yeah,
0: that can be done over the phone. All you have to do is measure uh, what or know the measurement that you want so we can get you a price okay. quoted, whatever the size of rock you need. And, uh, whether you're going to need it installed or not, those kinds of things. We can, uh, we can take care of it. Okay. Uh, we're going to have a Christmas open house November. The paper's wrong. It's November 20th and 21st, both days. We'll have, uh, Dave's famous chili. That'd be me. And Annette's, uh, white chili, which, uh, is a, uh, lower, uh, cholesterol one. If you don't mind, I'm going to plug
2: something coming up on the 20th as well, folks. You can go to Jackson's open house on your way, possibly to Vermilion. You remember Ralph sure. from Vermilion? Yep. Ralph passed away, and they are having a memorial for Ralph Clark, and that's going to be at one thirty uh, at the Methodist Church in Vermilion on November the twentieth. So, I'm planning on going up to that. So, folks, you can take in both Vermilion. I've never been to Vermilion. Thirty minutes, forty minutes from I'd say forty.
0: Forty. Forty minutes. Go
2: to Wamigo on the north.
0: Yep. Okay. Okay think that's right and then it's, it's not directly on that highway uh, that's which is 96 it goes north out of yeah. it's a little jog then there well too. I don't know I've never been
2: north out of Wamego
0: it's a so. beautiful drive really yeah. pretty yeah really pretty the d- between Wamigo and highway 36 just a nice drive
4: huh
0: that's a beautiful part of the country Wamego is one of my favorite towns I love the looks of Wampigo
2: yeah that's it's a just, nice town
4: oh yeah,
0: kind of And they or yeah. June Cleaver, right? Yeah, but they've got big wide streets that they haven't worried about so much. Putting all these fancy planters in and cutting it down to one lane, they haven't done any of that stuff. Yeah. And it's yeah. still a pretty town, and still a vibrant yeah. uh, downtown area. Really, you betcha. Very nice, nice, some nice cafes. We're getting there here. Uh, like you said, I don't see the need for what what they're proposing. Really, yeah. the uh, all the other specials that we've had, perennials are buy one get one free. We've got mum uh, and pansies. Buy one, get one free. We've got uh, trees, uh, 33% off. Or if you need three trees, 50% off. There are some specific rules uh, cons- uh, based on those huge discounts. That uh, there is a warranty, though. It's, it's uh, on those trees through June the 30th. Even though they're 50% off, it is a credit warranty. In other words, we'll pay you, or pay you. We'll credit you. Whatever you paid for that tree, if it doesn't live, if you bring the tree in, your receipt, we'll credit you towards any other item in the nursery next year at that at the current, at those current prices. So don't bring in a dead tree and expect us to replace one that you've only paid half price for. That didn't that doesn't work that way. Uh, so anyhow, <laughs> fruit trees. We got a bunch of fruit trees. We brought all of the fruit trees in from the other store, so we've got a new kind of a new supply of fruit trees there. Uh, 25% off, or if you need two or more, 33% off. We still have about 8 or 10 of those uh, blue spruces that just came in fresh from Oregon. 59 bucks. Can't beat that deal uh, with a drum. The neighbors down the street are 129 for the same tree. Uh, and then our big trees out back. We've got great big ones. Um, those, I mean, we're talking 5 6 inches. Uh, that would normally be a $650 tree, uh, those were selling for 200 now. Oh, okay. Uh, so anyway, anything over... Uh, and this is a special Jim Cates show deal only. I've not advertised that. Otherwise, they're half price. But what I'm, uh, but they will have to have... Uh, we do have... We You have to have big trees move those trees. That's a tandem dual-axle semi because uh that that ball that soil ball's going to be a couple thousand pounds and that's we had him take one out yesterday that uh, a big sweet gum that uh the top of the tree came clear out over the front of the truck and a uh, huge tree beautiful tree but uh, and the, I sold it to those people for the uh, oh about $250 and then they paid him I think 300 or 350 to move it that's what it costs to get a big tree moved. But we got a bunch, uh, not a bunch, but we've got probably a dozen of the big trees. If people really want instant shade right now, we've got uh, the capability to move those trees. Good. All right. About a ton. Yeah, at least a ton. At least a ton. Because when he lifts that truck, uh, this is a tandem dual axle like a semi tractor, only a longer wheelbase. Uh, when he lifts that uh, t- ball out of the out of the uh, hole, that uh, front end uh, doesn't come clear off the ground, but you can see it lifts the front end of that semi up off of its active, kind of off of the weight of the springs. Wow, it's something. <laughs> so this is somebody you've had, uh, mm-hmm. you've hired to deliver trees for quite some time. Big huh? trees. Uh-huh. That's the name of the company. He's <coughs> just a two blocks from the greenhouse, so he can he can get that done in a hurry now. So uh, that's something new and different that you probably wouldn't, weren't aware of, but. Uh, if you really wanted a, a great big tree to honor somebody, and there's uh, money's not an object, and you can get a huge big tree planted in your yard for around $500, and that is a bargain. I mean, because these are trees that uh, normally, uh, if you were uh, charging for them the way they should be charged for, they'd, the tree by itself would be $650 to $700, and then, and the, then delivery the, the delivery top on top of that, top of 300 it, yeah, yeah. 300 to 350 depending yeah. where you're at or even 375 uh, depending on how far he has to go. That okay. kind of stuff cuz he's got to make two trips, you know. He's got to go out to your place first and dig mm-hmm. the hole where you want it. Bring that he then he brings that plug, we call it a plug, over to me and puts it in a hole where we would uh the where one of these other trees has been removed. Then he goes to our the tree that your tree then that you've bought. Digs it, takes it out to your place, and puts it in the hole that's already there. So it's a four step process. Well, that does sound like a bargain. It is. It really is. <laughs> yes. If you're in the market for a Big
2: Tree. Dave, we will see you next Friday, my friend. Probably so. All right. We'll count on it. All right. Jackson's Greenhouse and cool. Garden Center. And again, uh, open house is a week from Saturday. But I tomorrow? guess that's
0: right. Yeah. Yep. A week from Saturday and Sunday. And Sunday. We're going to do it two days. Yeah. Make sure and come out and see those points, poinsettias. They're all turning color. It's yeah. it's getting to be really beautiful in there. And w- then we'll be starting to deliver poinsettias then uh, that week of Thanksgiving. Uh, the first, first ones will go out. We'll talk poinsettias next week. Yep.
2: A lot of different colors. We've oh, got my. Are there ever. Yep. Folks, again, thanks for listening. Coming up Monday, uh, temperature, 8 o'clock. Peter Van Curran, 845. And again, Terrence Stewart, I appreciate you doing a little legwork for me. Made It made my job easy. It's going to be a two great guest Monday morning. Have a great weekend. We will see you Monday. I'm Jim Cates.